Hello, Chop Nation, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Chopcast, the official video game podcast of Sorchon. It's a podcast where if you listen long enough, you will look on as you see people online complaining about how a recent game is too difficult. And you will look on in superiority as you, who was molded in tough games of both past and present generations, laugh maniacally in the corner as you slink into the shadow of darkness. <laughs> that was not a very good maniacal laughter, but good enough. Weird Somewhere... masturbation sounds. Ugh. Somewhere in game paradise, Cuphead, Meat Boy, Mega Man, and other legends nod their head in approval. This is all in jest, though. If you found yourself frustrated this week as you were blasting away with Samus, you were not alone. It's a shame that you couldn't bring a friend over to co-op this game and make it easier. Unfortunately, you're going to be holding your breath on that, which is actually our topic of the week. No, not holding your breath, but where the hell have all of the couch co-op and split-screen games gone? And why don't companies seem to care anymore? As per usual, we'll be reading the listener comments left on the topic. We will also be discussing some games this week, such as Metroid Dread, who would have thought, Back for Blood, and more Jet the Far Shore. We will round out the show with the social media polls, such as has this been a slow year for gaming? Microsoft releasing limited edition Series X's, the GTA trilogy and pricing rumors, crossplay, sequence breaking, and concerns of right to repair. There is a lot to discuss, and we have some chaps to acquaint you with. So let's start there. First, I have with me the editor from New York, where navigating the trap. I was gonna say that, damn it! <laughs> We're navigating I'm working on the traffic. Some, <laughs> I do like a pair of chaps that are assless. Where navigating the traffic is more difficult than any video game he's ever played. Rich Meister, my friend, how are you doing this week? I'm okay, man. You know, um, been Burzy. Uh, we just launched a new podcast mm-hmm. that you might have seen in this feed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope everybody had a chance to listen by now and enjoyed what we're doing with Chomping at the Bits, and there'll be more of that coming your way next month when it launches in its own feed. Yeah, and I, I want to do this now. I don't want to interrupt you. Congratulations, dude. Uh, I'm really happy to, uh, for you. Thanks, man. I was about to ask why you were masturbating. Um, that's my way of congratulating people. <laughs> that's super weird. That must be awkward at graduations. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. That's illegal. I mean, it's already illegal, but that's double illegal. That's it depends double. you're graduating from. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Uh, but no, I'm, in all seriousness, I'm really happy for you. Congratulations. Yeah, no, thank you. You guys both know this has been a, a sort of a passion project for me. And um, we're finding our footing. So it uh, might be a little rough around the edges at first, but we are... We just got, which you both heard, we just got uh, the music in for that show, and it sounds fucking awesome. Shout out to Ed Biquette. Uh, I forgot does to a lot of our music. I'm you so bastard. Sorry. I won't, um, like, here's the thing. It was sent as a WAV file, and um, on my phone, I don't have 
any kind of. I was going to say, can you not play that on your phone? Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I intend to. I'll fix that. I'll rectify that. I mean, you can just take a, you can dive into the email and and take a look at it there if you want. Did did Um, you put it on the first episode or not yet? No, it came in after that was all done. Um, So now you can go retro. I mean, this is kind of like behind the scenes, but I I very well may do that. that. Well, I, I may do that when it drops in its own feed, which Josh and I will be working on soon. And uh, now I just got to see about getting some artwork done for that show. So we got a road ahead, but um, it's coming together. I'm really excited for the stuff we're doing next. Uh, two days from now, we will be recording our second episode, which is going to be on Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Dope. Uh, so look forward to that. Cool, cool, man. I'm happy for you. I'm, I really am. So that's great. And uh, I'm glad you're here this week, buddy. I, I know we just did a, again, a little behind the scenes. We just did a three hour chomping after dark before we did the show jesus <laughs> and, christ but I like, it's gonna fe- be 30 minutes well i actually feel really primed for this show actually and i'm sure yeah. you probably feel similarly maybe uh then, then again it's late there for you i was like just waking up and i was a little bit groggy at the beginning but now i'm like i'm in the thick of it i think i'm all right i think i mean i'm i'm gonna make it through this show yeah we'll see what happens after that though but glad you're here buddy um I am also joined by a man who was born and bred in the fires of difficult gaming. He once 100%ed Cuphead on Expert and still ate his wife's pussy for dinner. He's a man who will never miss a meal. I am talking about none. <laughs> I'm talking about none other than Josh Fowler. Josh, I'm here. You're happy to. Uh, I'm. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't make it through that fucking intro. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was writing that last night. I was, I was fucking so tired, and I was like, I just... I'm fucking giving up. I'm just writing something as crass only, as I possibly can. The only <laughs> thing that sucks is all this downtime right now, like on the normal audio podcast, is going to feel weird. But if if listeners could see Josh and I right now, this moment would play a lot better. <laughs> I don't even see what you guys are doing. Are you guys just like, what the fuck is going on? We just kind of stared at the camera and cheers to each other because we're both drinking. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, I'm sorry. Let me quote. I did a, a gym off his face. I went. I'm smart. Smart, man. But no, um, Josh, I'm happy you're here to set the record straight on difficult gaming because someone needs to do it. And that man is you. Mm. No other words to say. <laughs> is that the aftertaste? Hmm? Of Goes what down I smooth. can't. <laughs> Assless chaps. <laughs> oh, chapless asses. Um, no, Josh, I'm glad you're you don't here. want them to be how, chapped. Was, no. Yeah. How was your week, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I've been uh, trying to figure out a bunch of tech issues for a side job, which, like, it's one of those things where I'm trying to help someone else with a streaming setup. So like hmm. I I know how to do it, but everyone's specific use case is different enough that right. 
like I can tell someone how to use it and then, you know, they'll find a new way to break it doing something that I just didn't even think of. Like, Mm. um, so trying to troubleshoot that with them this week has been kind of fun. Um, trying to get us on the same page. So, you know, like, okay, all right, whenever you did this thing that I would have never expected, that's why this thing broke, um, sort of a situation, which is fun. I like the, I like those sort of problems, but, uh, they're always frustrating because it's like stuff that like could have been avoided, but I didn't think to, you know, to mention those things to begin with. Right. Um, it's it's really hard to account for all the various situations of streaming and like the OBS software, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It's there are a multitude of problems that can arise. And I guess that's just technology in general, but yeah. There there are so many moving parts when it comes to streaming that it's really easy for one thing to just get out of sync. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, but interesting. I didn't know that you were doing that on the side. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Yep, I've done Long some life. sound work and tech work on the side here and there for for a long time. Most of it not getting paid, just because it's mm. you know whoever I know who just needs asking for help or whatever. Um, you know, it's like personal favors, sort of a thing. Well, that's really nice of you, and I'm sure you want it known here and now not to contact you to to for randos to mm-hmm. have you assist them. Yeah, I said sure. personal favors. the The personal is important in that, and that and, and you that know doesn't what that means. and that doesn't mean that you follow me on Twitter. That's that's just not personal enough. Um, you have to also follow him on LinkedIn. Exactly. <laughs> Do we do we link on Friendster? What's our deal? Mm-hmm. Remember Friendster? That was a thing. It's like, nope. are 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 you top ten on my MySpace page? I didn't think so. Why are you talking to me? Tom's top my number eight, one. Josh, top Who the eight. Fuck? Get it right. Who, Who fucking cares? I Who remembers do. any of that. I do. Really? Yeah. Mm. You know, like my life as a teenager revolved around MySpace, and don't you fucking dare pretend like yours didn't either. I'm disgusted. It was important. Mm. Yeah, it was important, actually. It was pretty important back in the day. But Are no. all those MySpace pages running? Can I go in and see who my you top know what? 10 were? The... Yeah, to you Google. Can. You can. Like, a few I'm years ago, go. MySpace, like, they got a... It was, like, new MySpace, MySpace 2.0. You can definitely get in there if you remember your information. Oh, I definitely don't remember. I don't yeah. give a fuck about yeah. getting into my page. I just want to see my old page. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if I could find my own page, but yeah. While you guys are doing that, let me introduce myself really quickly so you guys can, can ignore me like you usually do. Um, yeah. I'm Shay. We have an excuse this from... time. It feels legitimate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm calling in from Japan. I have been addicted to Metroid Dread all week. It's been good. It's been bad. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But I actually wanted to tell you guys two teaching stories that happened to me this week. I'm going to tell you a funny one. Or no, Chiga. I'm going to tell you... A, Heartfelt one, and then I'm going to tell you a funny one. So the heartfelt one is that I've had this second grade junior high school class um, that has just been extremely difficult to work with. They do not speak up in class at all. They're all, a lot of the boys are kind of mischievous. Um, They actually remind me of kind of like American children. Where I, this is the class where I had to break up a fight between two boys, which was my first time ever having to do something like that. And I've been really struggling to try 
and get them to just be a little bit more involved and invested in the English class. So I ended up talking with one of the girl students that I have a good rapport with in there. And I was like, do these students just not like English? Like, what is going on in here? And she's like, no, I think a lot of the students in here like English. I think that, you know, we have a new teacher, so that's difficult. Um, not used to her teaching style. I also think a lot of the students are afraid of making mistakes. And so I started trying to think of ways to kind of cultivate an environment in the classroom to show that it's okay to make mistakes and it's actually essential that we make mistakes in order to learn from that, those mistakes. And so I, I did something that I learned in high school that a, a high school teacher did for us. And basically I was able to spin that into like, we were purposefully making mistakes through a very creative way. And the students were completely invested in what I was doing. And that I was able to spin into, you guys need to make mistakes in not just in English, in any aspect in your life in order to learn. And you can't be afraid of making those mistakes because if you do, you're, you're not going to do the things you truly want to do and you're not truly going to learn. And this was not this past week, but the week before that I did that lesson. So I go into the lesson this week and I was this past week and I was truly nervous because you know, I was like, I don't know how these students are going to react. Are they going to be the same and I'm going to feel discouraged or, you know, like what's going to happen? Had no idea. So we do the like good morning greeting and they are loud as fuck. First time all semester they're engaged. They were completely engaged and throughout the class they were trying hard. I mean, they weren't perfect, but they were engaged and they were trying. And I was just so fucking impressed with them that they actually like I, I don't usually do this but like I kind of just note like this class was more engaged this day, this day they did a little bit better with these assignments like to know kind of like just the knowledge gap or you know for me how I can improve upon imparting certain information or how mm -hmm. the teacher I work with and they did better than one of the other classes um, and I was really impressed with their progress and I'm hoping that stays consistent, but I was just, I was so blown away with their progress and, uh, yeah, it just felt really good because like six plus months of struggling, trying to get this class to like understand, not necessarily that they have to like English or they have to always be super happy to be in there, but they need to put a little bit more effort than they have been and they need to not be afraid to make the mistakes. It seems like as of this week that it finally got through to them a little bit. Um, and uh, there's some other things we did in the classroom that helped facilitate that, but it felt really good. Um, it, was, it was like a huge weight off my, my chest, or weight off my shoulders, excuse me. It felt really good. Uh, the other story, now this one I think will be more enjoyable for you guys, is that uh, Thursday I went into my elementary school third grade class. And this class is particularly always happy. They're like, oh, Shay Setsay! Yeah! Just like screaming and like losing their fucking minds in there. And it's hilarious. It's sometimes a little bit overwhelming, but for the most part, I love it. Anyways, I'm getting my materials set up at the front of class two minutes before class. Like, I'm getting flashcards put on the board in English. Like, how is the weather? So they can answer very easily and stuff like that. 
and there's this there's this girl at the front of the class and the week before I caught her just like digging for gold and you know um eating it and I was like hey do you I mean like we all do that shit in elementary school I'm not gonna judge maybe you're not getting fed enough at home I'm who knows but um did she bring enough to share no that was (laughs) the rudest part of yeah but no so I'm sitting there getting ready. I'm kind of looking at my materials on the table in front of me. And all of a sudden, she, like, she does this. Just flashes me. And I was like, and I immediately look away. And in, under my breath, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I say it very quietly. But I was like, what the fuck? And she doesn't get the reaction from me that she wants. So she looks to the left of her and flashes that person. They don't, she doesn't get the reaction there, so she looks to the right and flashes the person to the right of her. Doesn't get the reaction she wants. Turns around and just like, one eight, like 180 arc just flashes everybody and giggles. And then turns back around like nothing happened. And I didn't know what the fuck to do. Because the, yeah, I was like. Tumultuous situation. Oh. Yeah, I, so I just ignored it and pretended like uh, nothing happened. I thankfully didn't see anything because I saw, like, I was able to catch it out of my eye as she was starting to lift her shirt. And I was like, look away, look away, look away. Like, don't look at that shit. Um, but yeah, it was fucking hilarious because obviously she doesn't. Kids are weird. They just do weird shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously there was nothing nefarious or anything like that. Just a child. But I was just like, fucking weird, man. Like, just a kid being like, yeah, let's see how people react to this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So Kids I'm sure one of us weird. flashed our balls to somebody when we were in elementary school and just don't remember it. Is all of this a know? fake story so you could justify something you did? Uh, no, this vague story was for me to say, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, when we get older and we do things like that, it's good to kind of have a, have a friend along with you to kind of give you the confidence and the courage to, you know, flash people or <laughs> moon other happening? people. You know, I... Was once compared Quince- to a sketch composite of the Central Park Flasher. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it kind of goes with our topic of like co op, like giving you the courage to face enemies and face adversity. No, I'm just kidding. I was trying to figure out a way to. Oh, segue that was my a topic? Story. I thought you meant like a co op, like an apartment building. No, no. I am not prepared at all. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you don't know we're doing a video game podcast because I've derailed us with my. You told stories, me this was no- a podcast about New York real estate. <laughs> Oh, I don't know enough about that. And the real estate market is booming. But anyways, uh, couch co-op and split screen. Let's actually talk about video games now. Sorry about that, guys. That was my fault. Um, so I had been thinking about it, obviously, within the past few years. And this was kind of a topic that we've had brewing around. And we thought not, there wasn't a better time to really talk about it than with the release of Back for Blood, which is... Um, a spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, which were two very famous games for being awesome with couch co-op, split screen, online, multiplayer, all, all of that. Very, very well done game with that. Just for noting, this is Turtle Rock. It is the same studio. This is basically Left 4 Dead 3. I, yeah, yeah, I, it is. But I, that's, I said spiritual successor just because obviously it's oh, not yeah, It doesn't use the same title, but like. Full on, like it's almost like they're like, oh, Valve is allergic to threes, and too much time has passed. For mm-hmm. all, yes. like as far as I'm concerned, this is Left 4 Dead three. Yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes. But, um, I think we've seen a trend. It started with the 360 PS3 era, 
obviously it's gotten worse as time has gone on, that companies are moving away from couch co-op and split screen experiences, um, opting for online multiplayer. And I wanted to discuss that. I think we all three of us wanted to discuss that because um, it's kind of like, to me, it's kind of a shame that companies are moving towards that right now. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, we're just going to like get straight into the topic here. No foreplay with that. I understand why companies are doing that right now. It's in part largely because online multiplayer is more um, financially sound, right? I mean, why, why wouldn't they just do the cheapest thing or the thing that's going to get them the most money? I, I don't even think it's, it's about cheapest at this point. It's one, the infrastructure is there to the point that online multiplayer makes more sense. And there's a certain amount of resources and, like, power you have to utilize to be able to have the game running for two people in the way you want on the same screen. Mm. And there's just less and less of a use case for it. Like, there are still games mostly in the indie scene that are being built as couch co-op games. And I'm so grateful for those things existing because it is a thing we are nostalgic for. Like the multiplayer experiences kids are having from the get these days are not couch co-op experiences. And so they're not quite as nostalgic for that. They're not as nostalgic for like, Oh, I love sitting in a discord with my friends and playing games and bullshitting, but there's nothing quite like when we can all manage to get in the same room and like play D and D or something. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's, it is in some regards much harder to do that nowadays. I mean, especially with uh you know the past year and a half dealing with covid and whatnot more even more so that's like another compounding factor there of getting people in the same room and also responsibility lining up schedules all that fun jazz but i also feel like in some regards that should have been more incentive to make these couch co-op games more common the past i mean no one could have predicted the pandemic obviously but had they been doing this all along, I really think it would have been a great benefit for some families. Because obviously, during that time, families were forced to reconnect or to connect in general. Couch co-op would have been a great, great factor for that, I believe. I'm a firm believer of that. You know, if me, like, for example, if I was a, like a 13-year-old child and I had my mother and father to play with and I had maybe another sibling... Then we all just sit down and play um, some game together where we're all couching, couch co-oping it up. That would have been a great um, family bonding tool. It's true. If, uh, if there are more couch co-op games, you wouldn't have to talk to your kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is... Um, my biggest use case for that is actually swinging in the complete opposite direction. Mm. Um, you know, in the midst of the pandemic and not seeing people and having a ton of friends that have since moved and gone on to other places. And a lot of people I play games with a good friend, uh, two friends of mine who recently moved further upstate. And I were lamenting the fact that it took Nintendo over a year to put online play in the new Mario party. That's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, that's just, I mean, granted, that's, good, I guess, in a way, good for couch co-op, but um, 
yeah, like Josh, how do you, like how do you feel about what we've talked about so far with Couch Co-op? I mean, obviously, um, com- companies they they got to do what's I guess best for their investors and stuff like that. But I don't know. Like I I really like it, but I kind of feel like the games at this point that have it kind of need to be built around it for it to be worth like it. The overcooks and the moving outs of the world, the games that are built yes. to be these frantic um, things you you play in groups, the Jackbox games style stuff. Yeah, and I feel like there are still a few, like we you just mentioned a bunch of them, there are still a few games that are really built around that idea um, and do it well. I feel like... Um, Specifically, the Wii U had a fun, a bunch of really f- cool ones that I liked um, that were asymmetric couch co-op games because there'd be one thing going on on the TV and another thing going on on the gamepad. Gamepad, yeah. Um, right. And that was, it was a really cool concept for a couch co-op game with for that bizarre hardware setup they had there. Um Josh, was it you? I had the conversation about how uh, the Wii U would have been a great place to put uh, "Keep Talking" and nobody explodes. Oh, I don't know if I don't remember if we talked about that or not. But yeah, that would act. It'd be perfect for it. Um, like if you had, you know, stick the bomb on the main screen or whatever, and then you've got this touchpad that you can just leaf through to see all the different pages, kind of mm-hmm. pass it around instead of having to download the manual and print it out like you always do, which. It'd probably make the game harder because, I mean, by the time you've done two or three bombs, you end up with pages just all over the de- all over the table or whatever. And, everybody and to be fair, yeah, there's nothing quite like everything. I love, I, there's nothing I quite love more than uh, staring at a computer screen with a bomb on it while my friends rifle through this fucking 40-page manual I bound yeah. myself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, like, I... I think something it, it it needs to be a consideration from the beginning. Like I think earlier on we played a ton of games co-op just because like, you know, Sonic and Tails and whatnot and like and it doesn't particularly Mario work all Mario. that well. Um there were there were a lot of bad couch co-op games early on. A lot on. of games where the second player's presence felt like an afterthought. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that 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 changed, and I think I think changed in a big way in the era of like GoldenEye and stuff like that, where like competitive, even beyond co-op, competitive couch oh, yeah. multiplayer games became yeah, a big thing. Split yeah, like screen. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like we framed it as couch co-op, but there's still a ton of just split oh, screen gaming. I, that well, I mentioned split screen in the yeah in the topic. Uh, yeah, I think it all encompasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like um. Oh, fuck, what's the name of the game? Is it called Screen Snipe? There there was a there was a there's been a game recently where Snipper even if clips? you're playing just kidding. Where even if we're playing online, the whole thing is in split screen. Oh, um, that's dope. With the the catch being everyone's invisible. The only way you can tell where anyone is is by looking at their screen so you can see where they are. Uh so that's the whole cool. thing is around you know, screen sniping. Uh, which That's frankly dumb. is the only way to play. If you're not doing that, it's it's not because you're noble and whatnot. It's because I have integrity. No, it's not. It's just because you can't multitask. It's like, because you're bad and you don't want people to realize why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yes, if if you don't rocket Fuck launch you. someone the moment they step through a teleporter, it's you're not trying hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, I. That's one of the things that kind of irks me though is to go kind of back to one of your previous points. Yeah, the Wii U was a good system for that, and I think that's in part why the Switch is so popular. Obviously, portability is a huge thing. Their family mm-hmm. content is a big thing, but also. They have a lot of games there that are good and fun for the whole family. And yep. to me, I don't understand why, and I'm not like haranguing uh, Sony or Microsoft or any other company in particular here, but why aren't more companies looking at that and saying, why aren't we dipping into that market a little bit more? Granted, Nintendo has a pretty big stranglehold on couch co-op or split yeah. screen they, they, style they, game or less split screen but more couch co-op style games yeah i mean that's they, kind they, of their sorry go um no go for it the the whole joy con thing it's like it's it's not the same as the you know ipad plus a tv thing is before but mm. the idea that you can split the controller in half and easily have couch co-op i think has given us a bunch of really fun little experiences that stuff stuff like snipper clips um and the, yeah. the new the new warrior wear which I'm, it, it's not my favorite WarriorWare game, but it's really easy to have somebody take half your Joy-Con and just read be my playing. review. The co-op's the worst part of it. Well, but still, it's like it's it's easy to yeah, pick but up it's, and it's do. There, yeah, uh, yeah. The Switch was built. With, I remember this one time right when the Switch came out. I went to this rooftop party, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you meant no, <laughs> no but uh, the, yeah, no, that old console is like built around that idea in a lot of ways and i think it executes it in a super cool way like do i want to fucking play mario kart with someone on this eight inch screen no but even still like you you can though yeah it's it's it's... awesome that all that stuff's Mm -hmm. there i mean i think i think that's a really good point about the controller too josh is that when you split up the joy con it's a much more simplified controller whereas Mm -hmm. if you're playing like on an xbox that is i mean for the person who doesn't normally game I know for a fact, as I've tried to get other people to check out certain games, that could be a very overwhelming experience. Yeah, it could be daunting. Like, we've been playing games for so many decades at this point that controlling a 3D game is a complicated thing that we've just done forever. Um, Yeah. It's so hard to explain to someone, like, the left stick is your feet, the right stick is your eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, that is such a difficult Which stick is my dick? (laughs) (laughs) please touch that no um but uh, yeah to get back to the topic on hand i yeah i wish companies would start or devs would start looking at that a little bit more and i'm glad there are certain ones that are are doing that like it takes two phenomenal example oh yeah streets of rage 4 i know you guys weren't big proponents of that game but it did have couch co-op yeah that is really the couch co-op's really good in it does it takes two have couch co-op yeah, yeah, you can play on the same. Okay, I honestly didn't game. know. I honestly didn't know. Um, I was yeah. confused because I was like, "Wait, we were just talking about Streets of Rage 4, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I did mention it takes that, two. <laughs> that, that game saved Josh and I's marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, there are certain devs that are thinking about that. I just wish there were more options because I I actually have multiple friends that have messaged me, "Hey, what's a good yeah, game sure to play do. with my significant other?" And it's like. Uh, you have a choice between like if do you have a switch? No. Well, you have a choice between like three or four games, and that's it. Do you have a high end gaming PC? <laughs> yeah, right. So I like I wish more devs would take into consideration that I think that yes, 
it is a little bit more of a niche market and I get their their sales are not going to largely come from that, but there is a market there. Absolutely. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and like the thing that's I guess kind of perplexing to me is that with how popular streaming has really gotten because of the pandemic and just the general growth of that market. I think that is like a really cool subgenre of streaming that I think would be explored more if there were more options, having couples play a video game side by side on stream and streaming that mm-hmm. like seeing a couple do couch co-op, I think would be a really endearing stream. Or you see a guy bring his three friends over and play, whether it's smash, whether it's a couch co-op game, like streets of rage Four. In a dual stream, like a couch co-op type of stream or a split screen type of screen stream, that I think that like that makes a lot of logical sense in terms of it being a subgenre of streaming that you would think more companies would be and devs would be looking at that saying that's kind of an untapped market right now, or at least Nintendo has kind of this large stranglehold on this, but there's plenty of room there for us to do this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like the whole multi-person stream thing. It, why that hasn't caught on. I don't know if it's just, you know, not the right moment or people aren't thinking to do it as much. Or, yeah, but, I, I mean, I guess you got to really care about the personalities who are all sitting in one room doing it. Because yeah. when you have somebody else there, sometimes you are distracted. And you're not paying attention to chat, which is a large part of streaming. Like that chat wants to be paid attention to, mm-hmm. or they want to see a, a a gamer at the top of their games, like watching a sporting event. I mean, those are the two main reasons why you watch a stream. Not the yeah. only. Yeah, two, it would only really make reasons. sense if that was kind of like the focus of the channel, more or less all the time. I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So. Exactly. If you have more of an invested emotional interest in the person or people who are streaming and they do something like that, then obviously you're going to care more. But if it's like, yeah. I, I stop into this stream and like, I don't really know these people. And this person's like kind of talking to their spouse half the time. And I, I don't necessarily resonate with their, yeah. their stream or their, who they are as people or their relationship. Not that's, I'm, I mean that in a negative way. It's just sometimes. Yeah, no, no. Like you get that too many. It's, it's going to be like, well, this like person's that. not it's really like, paying attention. Like I accidentally wandered into a podcast and it's all inside jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I wonder how that ever, when and how that ever happens. But no, I mean, that's exactly right. And so, yeah, it's, it's not like there's just mounds of money sitting here and nobody's scooping it up. Like, it's nothing like that. It's exactly like that. (laughs) Speaking of Squid Game, but no, um, we were not speaking of Squid Game for three hours before this. My upstairs neighbor is vacuuming right now, and it sounds like... Yeah, no, I hear that. Yeah, we can hear that. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yep. Normally, we can't hear... Like, you're complaining about the neighbors, and we can't really hear, but... No, I hear that. They're they're doing some vacuuming. Well, the thing is, like, he he or she, they just let their vacuum... Like, you know when you get it stuck, like, on the edge of something, and then it, like, makes that noise as it's desperate... Like Mm -hmm. that? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Cool, I'm glad you guys can hear that. No, wait, actually, hold on. Whoop. That's not vacuuming. That's construction. Excuse me. Oh, There's okay. Con- the, 
That makes I'm building more an sense. apartment right next to my apartment, so there you go. I'm sorry if there are construction noises kind of in the background that I can't really do. That's what it about is. That. Nondescript motor sounds. Yes, uh, it's not a vibrator, ladies and gentlemen. I promise you. That. Seems weird that you'd point that out. Now you, I feel like maybe you don't it is. need that sort of RPM. Oh, oh, I don't need it. I want it. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. It's not. It's not weird, Rich, because I know know you knowing you two guys well enough. There was a joke in there that you guys would probably make. We don't really. I was, I was heading it off before you guys. We don't really go there. for that kind of low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, you do. No, you don't. You don't like once it's hanging that low. It's gonna get raw if you start vibrating it. At that point, it's yeah. And that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't really complain. I, I made a pussy eating joke at the beginning of the podcast, so mm-hmm. I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> that that joke was just made but um you ever yeah, see one of those I, tree shakers when you go to buy a christmas tree to get all the dead needles off of course yeah it's that sort of is, situation but is that like know, an old person shaking their pubes off is that the joke there no no i'm just, I'm just like saying that's why it's an like issue cr- if you've got great low crusty pubes are it's, shaking off the person it's not yeah. a joke it's a medical condition <laughs> you're a medical condition boom roasted Zambo. Now, um, let's let's get back on topic. I um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's part of it here is just nostalgia, and me just being wistful, wishing that there were more couch co-op games. But I don't know. I I definitely feel like for those people who don't like going out and partying and are more of like an indoor type of person, that more couch co-op games and split screen games would be kind of a benefit for people. And as we're slowly, I don't know if it's a permanent fixture starting to come out of this pandemic situation, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, when people are starting to hang out again and having more options, I think makes sense. You know, I mean, especially if people don't feel comfortable going out of their house to do things like out in public, like eating dinner together, going to movies together, things like that. Mm-hmm. Giving them another option to stay indoors and hang out together is a great thing. And something like couch co-op or split screen would be a benefit for that. And it's not just this situation. I mean, looking into the future, I mean, if you want to relate it to climate change, the earth is getting hotter. We're going to be staying indoors more. We're going to need more things to do indoors. There's another reason to do that. I mean, there, there are lots of reasons, but... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess the point being, is, I guess I don't really know if it's something for me personally that I, I, I'm, I in part truly believe that there would be a benefit of doing that, but also I do believe nostalgia plays a part in that as well. Yeah, I think it, I'm, it's probably mostly nostalgic. I think we'll see more of it post pandemic for the reasons you're saying, Shay, and I think indie devs will continue to keep it alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they seem to be. I mean, it's not just indie devs, but they do seem to be doing some of the more interesting things. The with more it. inventive ideas. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I I hope that um, we see some more couch co-op and some split screen games. I, I really do. Um, just more options for people to mm-hmm. enjoy their time together, I think, is always a good thing. So uh, anyways, let's read. Let's read some comments. I mean, this is. This was intentionally designed to be a shorter episode of the Chompcast this week as we had planned to do uh, some other podcast episodes tonight. This is the only night we usually assemble, so we kind of designed this. this some of them went for three bit. hours. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how the rest of the night goes. But 
Um, if you feel like we're shortchanging you on the topic, we're not. We just specifically designed it this way. But um, we also wanted to read some of the comments and kind of explore and expound upon expand upon those a little bit more. So, anyways, uh, every Thursday at the Sword Chomp Instagram, if you want to comment on the show or uh, leave a comment on the post, we can read it on the show, which we love to do. We love to get you involved, and we like to have differing opinions to ours that we can reflect upon. So I posed the topic to the Instagram this week, and we definitely got some good comments. Curse of Lie, good buddy of ours, said, I love the fact that Streets of Rage 4 offered a couch co-op option because when I was a kid, my brothers and I used to team up to clean the mean streets. It was super fun being able to relive the nostalgia in our 30s. So yes, I agree. Give us more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. some of my fo- fondest memories are doing couch co-op with my little brothers when I was younger and going to college and living with my family. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it makes sense for, for families, too. Like, Josh, you jokingly said part of the reason why you have children is to uh, have more people to play video games with last week. And mm-hmm. now you just need more games to couch co-op with those exactly. children. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, spe- speaking of which, one of the one of the good um, couch co-op games I was kind of mentioning before on the Wii U is the the uh, the version of Minecraft on there has couch co-op. That's dope. So you can just have somebody that. else pick up a controller and hop into your game. That is very cool. Yeah. Mo- do all not all of the Minecraft. I don't know if all I don't know if all the console versions have couch co-op or not. I'd have to check that, but I I do know the Wii U version does. So it's mm. That's cool. I need yeah, to check I, up I, on the others. Yeah, I would have to check up on that too. I can't remember anymore. It's been so long since I've played um Minecraft on mm-hmm. any version of a console, so but that's a great game. That is a yeah. great game. JT Ruiz said it'd be a miracle to get my friends to sit down for a co-op game these days, which I, I had to laugh at that because I was like, yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, like, just the three of us trying to plan a Back for Blood play date. Yeah. Yeah, I, I told you guys literally, I didn't even, I wanted to relax a bit more before we started this long night of podcasting, but, like, around 6 o'clock my time, we normally sit down around 7. Um some friends of mine in our personal discord were like back for blood anyone. And I was like, I have literally an hour. We need to start now. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's yeah. Trying to align schedules. And like, I mean, part of that is responsibility in adulthood and getting older, all that fun shit. But I also think part of it too. And granted, this was a topic in the earlier podcast we did is that it feels like, I don't know, maybe it feels it's felt this way now more than it ever is that we have to just constantly be on the grind of working, working, working towards bettering ourselves, bettering our goals, bettering our career, all that shit. And it feels like it's rare that I can be like, okay, well, I got this time every week to sit down and game with friends it, because I always yeah. feel like we got to be grinding and trying to, you know, forward our career or get more money so um it's going to be interesting and granted again i don't want to get too far into this especially but uh as we talked about in the previous podcast a little bit the the great resignation as people are quitting their jobs and a lot of companies are looking to kind of change the culture around 
business and company work and all that in general, how the next few years are going to kind of shape up. And I could see this being the case of potentially where the average Western citizen has a little bit more time to plan things like this. And that would be cool. I mean, that's, that's obviously wishful, optimistic, utopian style thinking, and I'm just going to run with it because that's what I hope for. Mm -hmm. I hope that we have more free time. We're not just stuck grinding work all the time. And it could be like, Hey, I do have two hours where I can bring my friend over and we can crank out a game and we don't have to feel guilty about it. So, yeah. I mean, it might head there, or guilt or is my main feeling. Finally, start a war with a country that can fight back because they want to distract us. <laughs> I could use the distraction. Not that one. I'll take what I can get. Oh, okay. Well, nice tits. Anyways, uh, there's my distraction. Corn Space said, <laughs> "I mean, Corn Space said, I feel like this is opening." Up to the 90s, 2000s song, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Beautiful singing voice there. You know, it really is sad that couch co-op feels like a dying breed in gaming. Wife and I have two TVs side by side just to play unofficial couch co-op because so many games mm -hmm. don't have the feature. I'd love to see them again being brought back. The game It Takes Two is the perfect example of how couch co-op can work or even... Oh, yeah. Streets of Rage 4. And I just, I love that. Like him talking about that, um, another good friend of ours reminded me of when I had just graduated high school and I was working with a good buddy of mine. And at night after we'd get off work, we, I'd bring my 360 over to his place and we'd just set the two TVs side by side and play Oblivion. Um, I mean, there are always workarounds, of course, but yeah, I mean, it'd be cool to, that there'd be more consideration for couples or friends or families to have these options. It's funny that exact setup he mentioned though, the two TVs side by side is becoming more and more of a normal thing for mm -hmm. a lot of my couple friends. Yeah. Like when I go to their houses and their living rooms are two TVs side by side for if they both want to play games, if they want to play a game together, if one of them wants to watch TV and one of them wants mm -hmm. to play a game. Yeah, or it's cool like to see those those couples that have that like office setup where it's like one room and on each side of the room or in different areas of the room they have a desk with their own PC setup and they're in the same room together. I think that shit's cool. I Gotta do. rig it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah, I I like that kind of stuff, but yeah, I mean that's that's an expensive solution. The cheaper solution is I mean, for us as consumers, not for the developers and companies. Make some fucking couch co-op games. For sure. For okay. fuck's sake. I'm fucking sick and tired of this shit. I don't know what accent I'm doing. It's nothing, but it's I'm fucking like tired. It's like half a Boston accent. It's not very good. Ah, uh, yeah. I wasn't trying to actually imitate Boston because then I don't... Oh, what canceled. the fuck, Dougie? Get canceled by who? A bunch of fucking Beantown assholes? <laughs> Peter, is that you? <laughs> I want you to one day like attempt to do um a Boston accent, but just end up doing Brian Griffin. Hmm. Uh, that's just Seth MacFarlane talking. I know. It's not I even know. a voice. I mean, it is a voice, but is it a impersonation? Not really. Uh, last comment we have is from Tawny S. Good buddy. 
I feel like most games have moved beyond it. And definitely the youth has. When I look at my godson and his friends, they have Minecraft Jeez. servers out the woodworks with each of them on a PC or laptop. Couch co-op is just something that the internet made obsolete for a lot of genres. And a lot of genres that benefited from couch co-op, like beat-em-ups, have mo been mostly a dead genre. So it's nice to be all nostalgic for it, like most of us are. I don't think that beyond the obvious fighting games, cart games, party games, there really is a need for them anymore. And um, I was talking with him online about this, or in the comments about this. And I think that he has a point, to a certain point. I also think that it doesn't take into account the different types of people who enjoy games as well. I mean, you have the lower income families who can't necessarily afford PCs or laptops or gaming rigs, and they go out and kind of as a present, get their child an older system to, you know, make, make the child happy and have at least a, some semblance of um, a good experience. And so why wouldn't couch co-op benefit those people of like lower income families who can only afford a cheaper, older system? Why not have more couch co-op games available to those kind of people? You know what I mean? I, I, get, I get his point, though. And there are also areas, um, especially in the U.S., that ha don't have good access to Internet. Yeah, like I mean, the U.S. <laughs> Well, just that, I mean, just that part in the middle that nobody gives a shit about. Yeah. I mean, the, you, you're kind of... Not, and this is not what Tani is trying to do. You're basically, as a company, ostracizing those people and preventing them from being able to play those games. It's like, hey, fucking, it's, it's, it's the first world. Get an internet connection, well, you douche. But it's like, not everybody has access to that, yeah. too. Because that's, that's not even just a couch co-op issue. That's a... Coverage fucking, issue. Like, oh, like wh where the fuck am I going to go to download a 25 gigabyte patch for this game I just bought a disc of? Like, yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah. internet is complete dog shit in a lot of the country. No and, Man's uh, Sky is still really bad for a lot of people in middle America. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, still downloading the first update. <laughs> and it still sucks, even when they're done. <laughs> well, I don't agree with that, but... um, Yeah, I... I look at that and I, like I agree with him. The the average person who enjoys gaming, yes, I think couch co op is something more niche for those people. But we need to kind of take into account all the others. And yes, companies have to worry about the bottom line, which is the the dollar at the end of the day or the money at the end of the day. I should say. Mm -hmm. But I also think that as we have talked about here and a lot of other publications have talked about more accessibility to gaming that's both with inside of the game itself such as difficulty settings and whatnot like we talked about with the last of us 2 and some other amazing games that have come out in the past year plus and certain features mm -hmm. also getting this into the hands of people as well i mean it used to be a, an item that was a luxury item, right? It was people who were middle and upper class Americans who had access to this. When we think about something like the Atari. Yeah. And but whatnot. now that the middle but, class doesn't exist. Well, a, now that the middle class doesn't exist and B, it is not just a luxury item anymore. That accessibility is such a big topic, especially within this past two yeah. years because of the pandemic and whatnot. 
that I feel like having access to couch co-op and things of that nature makes things more accessible as well. Um, I, I guess I don't understand why that isn't being talked about more. So yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. I, th- I, mean, I think there's a lot of conversation there and obviously part party games are a big thing and I I'm appreciative of them, but I also look at some games that have come out recently. We already mentioned it takes two and streets of rage Four. cuphead's another great one overcooked two one and mm-hmm. two are great games. Um, but a lot of these games, not all of them, but a lot of them exist um, in isolated situations. A lot of those games exist on the Switch. It Takes Two exists on other platforms, and so does Cuphead. But um, a lot of those couch co-op and split-screen options are only on the Switch. So I, I just I hope and wish that companies start look looking a little bit more at their platforms and saying, how can we get this experience in the hands of people who are don't have normally have as much access to gaming in general or who can't afford the higher rigs to be have a you know a big library of games they can go and search for you know having more options is never a bad thing so Maybe and maybe there just isn't enough money in it. I don't know. I haven't done the I financial. I think that's research. more than likely the case. It's yeah. The, I, I, the, yeah. The groups you're you're talking about, which like again, I, I think you make a valid point. Just aren't where there is money to be made. Yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. I mean, I don't know. I've had like I told you guys, I've had multiple friends message me about a game that they can play with their significant other. I've had those messages consistently every year since we've started doing this podcast and mm-hmm. it's like i know there's a market there but i guess i don't know how much of a market there is so yeah i think yeah i just tell everybody i think maybe that that market one. is too split currently just because <laughs> was that was that a funny pun too split no because we're talking about couch co-op two people and split screen this is a very serious discussion Mm. Sorry. No, but no, but I'm like, I think people <laughs> who are fans of other games on whatever system also want to play games like this occasionally. I think yeah. they, I, I think there are very few. Oh, I only play couch co-op gamers, and because of that, this it's like it's it's a split audience. It's like, well, do you have a Switch? Do you have a PC? Well, what what, what are you on? And like, um, so it's I think it's a matter of you know. Well, we've got to port this thing to everything. To, I only have an Apple the, too. the full audience, and that costs money. Um, yeah. So it could be something along those lines, where it's just a lot more effort to reach the full audience. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It just, yeah. Maybe I'm just old man yelling at Cloud. Who knows? Quite possibly. Oh, definitely. Quite possibly. Fucking Cloud deserved it. Yeah, it's a piece Little of shit. Bitch fucking cloud i'll fuck that cloud's day up i'll fuck that cloud (laughs) i'll eat its pussy i'll eat that cloud out i'm gonna make that cloud come so hard (laughs) it's gonna jizz all over the earth i have to go eat a cloud's pussy yeah i know um anyways uh yeah so we're gonna take a quick break uh i think we've done well enough on the topic And uh, we're going to come back with some game talk. So don't you 
go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey there, welcome. If you found this, you must be listening to The Chompcast. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're wondering... Hey, Shay, tell them about the other podcast. Yes, I know you're wondering... What else could I listen to? Don't forget the other podcast. What else could I possibly listen to from these guys? Shut the fuck up. I'm about to tell them. As I was saying, if you want more content from us and you want to hear us talk more about video games, head over to SoreChomp.com where you can check out our other podcasts, such as Chomping After Dark, a spoiler cast that deep dives on various games and movies, and Evoking the Sublime, where Shay breaks down the history and creation of a video game, often paired with interviews from various developers. Thank you, and enjoy. All right, and we are back. I know you guys were waiting forever. Fear no longer. We're here. Speaking of fear, rather dread, let's talk about some more Metroid Dread. Um, now, last week we had missed, just gotten missed our- a real opportunity to go into a different game right there and have it be hilarious. Sorry, Dad. Mm. Sorry to disappoint you so much. Um, <laughs> Don't be sorry. Uh, you know, be better. After my fr- hey, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> My first transition was horrible in this podcast. I just made a good one. I was and quoting you guys are gonna give me shit for that? Suck a dick. Mm. I can't. Anyways, I'm um, in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> I mean, apparently you can't multitask either after giving people shit about split screen multitasking. Hmm. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm really drunk. What are we talking about? Jizz. Uh, but Metroid Dread, last week we left off on our very first initial impressions. At this point, all three of us have finished the game. I don't think there's enough to do a uh, chomping after dark on story-wise. So I think what we're going to do here, actually, and this is going to be one of the very rare times that we do this, we're going to talk about the stuff we can talk about, and then we'll have a small spoiler section. To, mm-hmm. Because I think it's essential that we kind of talk about this, because as these two had mentioned off the air, they know about it much more than I do, that this game gets a really clean neat resolution and i think that's for the plot that interesting traditional metroid's been telling since super metroid basically yeah right Mm -hmm. i think that that is an interesting focal point to discuss later on about this game but we'll get there later we'll we'll advertise that there are spoilers at that point that way um for any of you who have not finished the game aren't spoiled on it but uh so i think we left off Last week, basically saying, like, wow, this game is awesome so far. The Emmys are scary. Uh, the game is beautiful. There are a little bit of... Uh, uh, sorry, I'm forgetting words right now. Frame rate issues. There are a bit of frame rate issues, but it's it's a fun game right off the bat. And I, I want to say I'll start off the conversation by saying man, that game does not get any less fun. That game is so, it's so much fun. Even when it's kicking Uh, your ass, like, it's hard to put down. Yeah, and that's something we're going to have to talk about later, um, as I alluded to in the intro, the public discourse regarding that. Um, Dave Jaffe is hardly a member of the public. He's a a bridge troll. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. We'll get we'll touch upon that a little bit later. We'll start with a positive. But yeah, I I really like the progress of this game. And I'm sure it's very similar to other Metroid games. I haven't finished another Metroid game, so I can't really speak to that. But as we joke jokingly talked about last week, the physical amnesia. Um and you get starting to unlock your ability abilities was a really rewarding process i really enjoyed that in the game so much so that i was sitting at work i think it was on tuesday and i was just humming the do 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 like the the little theme that when you unlock abilities and i was like i need to go home and unlock more abilities just so i can hear that little theme because i love that theme and um obviously it's probably dopamine induced like you you hear that theme and you're like, oh shit, rush of satisfaction. My I got the thing hard kind of feeling, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I I really like that process of unlocking abilities. I I love that. Yes, yeah, it's good. It's real good. Yeah. Um, the Metroidvania formula has obviously been built on like crazy since the implementation of you know Super Metroid, which is really what nailed that down. But um, I came out the other side of Dread being like, this is just a fucking top-notch Metroidvania that delivers on what you remember Metroid being. I mean, most of the abilities are just things that have existed in the past Metroid games, but that's totally fine. Like everything. What are some of the new ones? Uh, The cross bomb and... The cross bomb is not new. What was the cross bomb in? Fusion, I believe. Was it? The big bomb is new. No, the Super Bomb has been in there since Super Metroid. I'm going to have to verify this because I'm pretty sure the Cross Bomb has been in other Metroid games. I don't remember it in anything, but it's, again, what? It's been two decades since Fusion came out? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, the Cross Bomb is new. I apologize. I feel like that was in... I was just looking that up and seeing that it's only in yeah. Dread. Yeah, no, the, the Cross Bomb's new. It's, anyway... I think I just the, have the it, Super Bomb mixed up with the Cross Bomb. Yeah, the, the, the cross bomb is, like when you're in Morph Ball, you've always had like little bombs you can drop down to make yourself hop up. In Super Metroid, uh, they were the only way to jump, so you yeah. had to use those to jump, and there are a bunch of tricks to like double jump and whatnot, and chain them together. Um, I don't remember which game added the ability to jump in the Morph Ball, but since then, you've been able to jump and then essentially triple jump with those bombs. Yep. This one has the ability to triple jump and then at the top of that, use a cross bomb to get places. But by the time you get it, you've already got a million other movement abilities. And it's. I, I wanted a full game with that cross bomb. It's it is a little bit out, out of sequence. I mean, granted. We'll, we'll talk about sequence breaking a little bit later as well, but. Generally, I think the path that they have you on to get that cross bomb is a little late to get that cross bomb. I will admit that. I mean, in general. Yeah, because that is like, like one of saying, my favorite that, items, and I wanted at, so much more creativity space. Yeah, to explore that item. I Yeah, at that point for me, and I'm sure similar for you guys, I had gotten the gravity suit. I had gotten um, the the jump. I believe it's the gravity suit that gives you the ability to just jump, 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 jump. And you've already gotten the double jump at that point or the space jump is as it's called. Yeah. And 
so at that point, like the cross bomb feels a little bit superfluous. It's like very, very much. But so it also for has the other a few. It has other utilitarian uses, like getting across those cum- crumbling blocks. And to yeah, a- yeah. An- answer your bigger question, Jay. I think you're like some of the more important newer ones are a lot of those like Aeon abilities, like the flash shift. Yeah, like um, the cloak, which is cool. The cloak, the, yeah. The multi missile yeah. is new. The storm missile, I believe it's called, is yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's new. That's new yes. for sure. Yeah. I I, I want to jump back to the jump ability actually because I'm sure you guys have more of like a storied experience with it, but I found the double jump to be archaic. It's uh, a hard double jump to use. You it's have to have same... momentum going to for it to properly work and it, it can it's really easy to mess it up uh, yeah. it was like it wasn't until josh made a joke about flappy bird that i was like oh that makes perfect sense that's a perfect analog for that that i understood the true nature of that jump well um, for that one particular boss fight we were, the the second to last boss is yeah flappy but, bird I mean, in a lot of but it's not it's not just useful for that boss it's kind of oh, useful yeah, yeah, yeah. in general but yeah you're right yeah they, they I gotta added. Be, honestly, uh, oh, sorry, I I can't remember if it's new to this one or not. But if you're if you don't have momentum, you can hit jump again, and instead of double jumping, it will put you in that spin animation, so you can double jump. Mm. But that'll take an extra button press to do. Um, right. Yeah. So like you have to be aware of it. Um, I can't remember if that's new or not. They may have added that in one of the later ones, but no that's, idea. It's hard to say. It's, that's more it, of like personal feel. Yeah. E- either way, the the double jump is the, the jump in this game is one of those things where it's extremely precise if you know how to use it, but it is finicky. Like it it does exactly what you tell it to do and what you tell it to do might be way different than what you think you are. Um, well, yeah, that that's what's frustrating. I think about something like Hollow Knight or mm-hmm. Ori that have that have a really good feel of a double jump. The very good floaty mechanics you, you can yeah. operate. It's so super well slow and forgiving. And like that slow doesn't sound good, but like it does exactly what you say with like Hollow Knight specifically, you don't jump up very quickly. And so you can control exactly the height your jump stops by letting off the button. And it's just like very precise because it's doing things slowly and giving you the control to do exactly what you want easily Um, right and i think there's a good point there that hollow knight maybe not have been the best analogy because hollow knight is more predicated on difficult fighting with some platform elements whereas this metroid game metroid dread is equal parts about difficult combat and the platforming and the speed at which you have to do some of that platforming like the speed booster stuff requires a little bit greater mastery i believe of some of those elements i think uh... I think for getting through the game, yeah, uh, there's there's a ton in Hollow Knight that understanding how you can break the movement allows you yeah. to do like insane sequence breaking in that game. Um, that's stuff that just you don't. It's not required. Like the 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 movement is way more flexible uh, than you need to get through the game. No, I mean you you're absolutely right. I I I just think that. <clears throat> the the platforming in metroid is a little bit faster paced and that yeah and so um yeah i i guess maybe it's not a perfect analogy there but 
Yeah, I just, the, the double jumping was such a fucking pain in the ass. It just felt so It's a weird double and, jump, and it's it's one of those things that we, uh, Rich and I are used to it. We've been playing with that slightly wonky jump for 20 for years. At this, yeah, yeah, for like 30, 30 years. So it's, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like quite a bit of history it, to it, and they've they've kind of kept the feel basically the same for the for the whole time. It's it was a it was a weird feel to keep, I think, because mm-hmm. I think modernizing that mechanic, it it doesn't make or break the game, but it definitely would have made it feel like an even more modern Metroid. Yeah, and yeah, it would have the sensibilities of a modern game in general. There are a few little things like that that would absolutely help, such as. The wall jump is just as particular as it's always been, where in most modern games, if you're close enough to the wall, you can tilt away from the wall before or after you jump. As long as you're close enough, Metroid, you need to be pushing into that wall until you jump, period. Um, And that's something that I hadn't played a Metroid game in a long time and, you know, had to re-get used to that as far as how the wall jump works and whatnot. There there are little particular nuances to that game that frankly we've fixed in some situations and a lot of them have stuck around because that's how metroid works Um, exactly exactly it's not necessarily a bad thing i just think that their games have done it better at this point why not modernize that and I, i like so many of the abilities in that game because obviously this is my first fully fledged metroid game they feel really good, and it's good, not only good to unlock them, it's fun to use them, especially when you get into some of the more difficult sequences, and you have to, especially with that final boss, and you're chaining a lot of those, it's really fun. It really is yeah. to see, like, all the different ways you can approach things. But then I think about um, kind of like the public discourse, which maybe this is a good time to get into it, talking about how difficult this game is. And I kind of scoffed at that at first, but then I think about, how precise this double jump is, how precise, like yeah. you're saying, the wall jump is, and some of the other things that I don't think it's completely unfounded to say that some of these things are really difficult because, like, the platforming, yeah. I think, is more difficult than the combat. But, um, yeah, no, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's wrong. kind of fair because, like, the combat, I mean, there's some tough bosses in there, but they're not, like, ridiculous or anything. But, to fight them, you have to use the movement that... And it's, it's not even that it's bad. Like, a lot of the things I was describing, it allows you to do exactly what you're telling the game to do. It's, it is extremely precise. It's just... A lot of other games have made... Precision... Precision... Bleh, fuck. Precision secondary to... Like, ease of use. Right. You need to really understand how Samus moves and then once you get it you get it yeah but like that's that's the crazy part to me and I still like I, I think everything you're saying there Shay makes sense that yeah this is not an easy game and I, I get everybody's complaints but and this is again me with my experiences why I kind of like look at that and go I think it's super weird how everyone's really hard on how hard this is because I play it and I'm like this isn't the hardest mainline Metroid game by oh yeah a f- like it's no contest. It's definitely not the hardest one. Um, yeah. You have to bang your head against certain parts a little bit. Like some of the bosses take a few tries, and eventually you'll learn it and you'll get it. But I don't think this is anywhere near like the hardest game that's come out in even the past couple of years. 
Like the, the no, game has def- auto saves in it. Like if if you die, you're not going all the way back to a checkpoint or to to a save room. Like there's a bunch of stuff in here that they've done to make it easier. Um, but yeah, I th- I think I've not seen any sales numbers yet, but I. I'd be willing to bet as well as the the Switch is sold. There are a lot of people. This is their first Metroid game, and it's that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, I I think not what they expect with, from Nintendo. Yeah, no, no. This this is not not quite as well. I mean, Nintendo has been going in a lot of different directions lately that I appreciate, but it, it is this is not a cuddly game. Um, well, I yeah, I, the, the few things I want to say there is because you're actually touching upon the exact point I was just going to bring up. I know that this is probably going to end up being the most popular Metroid game to date. Uh, if you go look at the sales, this has caused kind of a ripple effect with a lot of other Metroid games hmm. selling much better right now. Uh, you Wii U Metroid games are selling right now. Ones on the 3DS are selling ones on the Wii are selling older games are being played. So that remake of two on the three S is phenomenal. And it's where a lot of the yeah. DNA of this comes from like that melee yeah. counter, uh, straight out of Samus returns. Oh yeah, exactly. If so you're looking I for more that, of this and you're done, p- pick up that three DS remake of Metro two Samus returns. It's, it's yeah. Phenomenal. If you, especially if you enjoyed this game, but mm-hmm. I, I think like you're saying, this is the first, metroidvania in general that a lot of people have played and i think that speaks in large part to um the advertising that they've done they did a phenomenal job with the advertising of this game to make me and other people like me really want to get invested in a metroid game and i think for a lot of people this is like the first mainstream version of a metroidvania game that they've played and not realizing that this genre is a little bit more brutal of a genre in general oh yeah i mean yeah or or is a really fun game, but it's a hard game. And I a lot when I was suge- when we were loving this game last year and we were suggesting it to people, a lot of people are like, "Man, that game is so brutally hard." And me, I'm like, I mean, parts of it are, yeah. But then I realize I've been playing these games for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And the Metroid games have always games. been on the harder end of some of the of Nintendo, Nintendo games. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like especially like the Prime games are tough. Um, like there's yeah. there's some tough combat encounters uh i mean especially playing like the old gamecube versions just you know the way the controls were made it a little bit harder than it even needed to be but like yeah. even, even going back and playing them on the wii there's still some tough combat encounters in that game um right it's just yeah, something the series has done yeah i'm i guess it in some ways kind of ex- uh speaks to the accessibility stuff too of I know some people are like, this game isn't as accessible for people who aren't as good at video games. And I see the point there. I do. I'm not saying I agree with it. I I see the point. Difficulty settings could go a long way. And I'll never advocate against that. Like the idea that someone just wants to get through it and that there should be an easy mode. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there should. There's a hard mode in the game. Like anytime there's a hard mode, like any excuse for an easy mode not being there is kind of gone. Thrown out the window. Like to me, like. The, the way this game is, and as difficult as it is, this is the way I would play it. That's the way I would choose to play it. Having the choice is more important, and it sucks that there are some people yes. that just won't be able to surmount that. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not, not to flame anyone or anything like that. We have a gentleman on our Discord who is, this is their first, or his first uh, Metroid game that he's 
resolved himself to finishing and Mm -hmm. he stuck pretty early on in the game and he's getting frustrated and it's it's not to say he's bad at games maybe he's just not used to this game i don't know um but to hear him air out kind of his frustrations within our discord and whatnot yeah why is there not an easy mode it's not like it's not a knock on the game personal for me personally but in in an era where we are talking more about accessibility why is there not an easy mode and um i mean the only thing easy mode could really tune is is combat at that point like a lot of metroid is exploration and or you know hinting or i guess it could be a thing the, the other thing like they give you a scan to be able to find invisible blocks which is something that a lot of metroid games do i could just give that to you a little earlier because yeah. it's like they teach you all this stuff like who here here are some hints there might be something hidden in a room and then like halfway through the game they're like oh you can just scan stuff now we'll just she'll show you all the invisible or all the breakable blocks yeah um, they could even take it a step further where they just like show that stuff on the map like on and you spend mode. the rest of the game just pulsing that with every room you enter <laughs> yeah exactly it's like it's like what what am i uh, you know i'm not going to use half the an abilities because i'm constantly going to have the you know show me the, the secrets but granted thing going yeah. on. it's funny because now i can shoot any wall i want because at this point i have 200 fucking missiles oh i, know. <laughs> I can yeah. just shoot it whatever the so hell many I missiles like. in this game yeah exactly but um so yeah i'm i i wouldn't say the public discourse isn't completely unfounded but no i i, I do th- i think you people need to understand that this is the genre that you've chosen to play with this particular game it is a tough genre um there there can be some stuff done for in terms of accessibility and making it more accessible for people that are new to the genre but this is what the genre is at the end of the day and yes people like me and josh and rich definitely still get frustrated when we play the game that last boss when i was finishing it up last night i was pissed because (laughs) basically and we'll get into that a little bit later it's a tough boss fight it's a very rewarding boss fight but it's a tough fight and that's the point of these games there's um, nothing quite like lear- learning each phase of it and knowing like be like and i got you here and i got you here and those melee counters just feel fucking satisfying oh yeah yeah like it that, feels that satisfying melee counter. our game yeah it's so good yeah. um what what did you guys uh think about the music and audio direction or audio production of this game it's solid i've always liked the Met- metroid soundtrack to begin with but like Mostly ambient in a lot of places, but those boss themes kind of kick up when they need to. Um, yeah. If you're not playing on a TV, I'd, I'd play this one with headphones. Yes. Yeah, there's some really good music. Um, and this is, again, kind of a Metroid thing in general, but I've, I noticed it more so in this one. Um, like, the ambient stuff is great. A lot of the boss tracks are amazing. Not a big fan of the hero themes in this. I don't know. They just kind of feel cheesy almost like like it doesn't not not fitting with the rest of the everything going on i kind of felt like the some theme of, the of what th- they're going for in terms of atmosphere. yeah it was just like all of a sudden like this it's been it's been four hours like here's the first song that's been in a major key ever in that entire time and yeah yeah and we put trumpets they, they, in it you, you like trumpets no. don't you it's like it's and an accordion yeah i love the yeah. resident evil basement um yeah, I, like yeah, that's, I, that's kind of the only thing that stuck out to me is not great. Sure. And the rest I, of it I was really, really digging. Yeah. Could break I the atmosphere, I get that. 
Yeah. I the the ambience they go for the music does feel very dissonant. It reminded me of actually somewhat of the soundtrack for Too Old to Die Young, which was a uh TV show that uh aired a few years ago. It's an it's an alright TV show. It's a neo noir style TV mm-hmm. show. It's very well shot cinematog cinem cinematographically. The cinematography is really good. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. But um the music is very dissonant and it feels very similar to that in Metroid Dread. I liked it sometimes, but also it's very unmemorable for me, that music. And I think about something. Yeah. I'm sorry I keep saying this. I keep talking about this game. It is the top of the line of Metroidvanias for me. Ori's music is very memorable for me. Yeah. Extremely. Those themes are incredible. Uh, Gareth Coker did such an amazing job on that soundtrack. And then I look at a game like this that has big production, that has a huge studio and all the money behind it. And I'm not slamming the soundtrack, but I am saying I, I feel like they could have come up with something amb like there's, there's ambient not a lot of more, it being more memorable. Yeah. There are not a lot of themes that stick out because they've always had fairly experimental ambient tracks, but also you could pick them out. Like it, they would break down into noticeable themes for each area. Yeah, more regularly, um, and I honestly, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. There, the I, di- I, I couldn't, I could not hum a region's theme in this, no, and, and well, that's it, something I could do for basically every other Metroid. It, it game. comes down to like, there's nothing bad here. There's just nothing stand out. Yes. Um. I wanted to mention while we talk about like weird ambience, and this is a really weird thing to point out, and especially in an age where we're getting less and less load screens in games. I really like the load screens in this game. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, fun. The elevators and train rides. There's something yeah. about them. I know. We've we've kind of missed out on a lot of that. Like even even taking the subway in Spider-Man, it's like, what 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 is this five second subway ride? That, yeah, it doesn't happen. Like it's pretty great. Like something about that. Just Sam is just standing in this elevator, and you seeing the light flash through the slit in the door mm-hmm. fall onto her face as she goes up or down or wherever yep, she's going. She's swiping left and right on something. She's on it's, Bounty Hunter Tinder. Mm-hmm. Well, it was kind of funny as I was watching a YouTuber review the game, and they had played it with a friend, and they were talking about how they were laughing during those sequences because they were. Like, I wonder what Samus is thinking as she's riding an elevator going to the next section. You know, like, I really got to shit, but the suit is, you know, inconvenient. Oh, to no, take no. A shit you you like can that. shit in the suit. Like, that's in the canon. <laughs> you know, like how Master Chief's suit jerks him off? Um, Samus can shit in her suit. <laughs> and then she, she mixes it in with the bombs. What do you think powers the cannon? <laughs> fecal, fecal bombs. <laughs> yeah. Fecal it's grenades. A, it's a strand game. Exactly. Yeah. Everything is a strange game if if you really think about it. But no, um, yeah, I I like that too. I really did. I um, one thing I want to talk about, not necessarily level design, but just the the beauty of the levels. So when you're starting oh, out, yeah. you're starting out towards like the core, and it's very mechanically based and it's cave based. But as you start get closer, getting closer to the surface, those levels start to really get gorgeous. Um. Yeah. One that stuck out the most to me was like the aquatic level, even though it's kind of a pain in the ass until you get certain abilities to navigate that efficiently. I loved that level a lot. 
I'm probably a bigger fan of that foresty area towards the end. Yeah. There's, I love the idea of that. And like Metroid's always had cool concepts of like alien planets where they're like, oh, just below the surface yeah. of this planet is this subterranean forest. Yeah. Yeah. That there were some strong ones here, but also I kind of felt like some of them blended together an awful lot. Like the first and third zone are essentially identical. Like there's yeah. not much distinguishing them the second one is the hot area but like hot, even hot. that but one wait there's a part like when a... it becomes the cold area exactly <laughs> um yeah like i feel like some of the zone, zones don't distinguish themselves i, I don't know like i'm, I'm torn i think on the this two one. Like, shane i mentioned are like the standouts to me yes and then the others yeah. kind of blend together and then there's the surface but that's really just like just the last place to yeah. be for the before the big final showdown yeah mm. Yeah, I just, I love that as you're getting up there more, like some of these areas really come to life. There's an area yeah. you go to where it's like this citadel of uh, a specific race of people. I'm trying to avoid spoilers until we hit that if point. If you've played Metroid, you know what race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, any yeah, Metroid yeah. game. For sure. But you get to that point and it's just very ornately designed and it's gorgeous. And you yeah. don't spend a lot of time in that area, but it still really stands out yeah. as a result. Yeah. Yeah, those last couple zones are really good. I loved that. I love that about the game that once you start getting close to the surface, it feels like it's just teeming with life and personality as you get closer to the surface. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into the spoilers, is there anything that you guys want to mention that I just didn't touch up on? Up on? Um, I'm working on a review that will likely be up before this podcast is up, so keep an eye out for that. But uh, I think we covered the big points. Um, I think they could have cut the Emmys. Like, I they kind of suck. They feel less impactful than I would have thought, and that's that's um, something I get into a little more in the review. Like, they they're neat encounters, but eventually they just become this trivial like nuisance that bogs you down slightly. Are you guys talking about in terms of gameplay or in terms of story before the gameplay? <laughs> well, like, okay, let's talk about the gameplay aspect before we talk yeah. about the story aspect. Like, I get the whole. This area is dangerous thing, but it's not dangerous. You'll go there and you'll die, but then you'll immediately spawn right before it because of the way they change the checkpointing. Like it doesn't feel like a threat. It feels more so like an, it feels an annoying like a waste roadblock. of your time. Yeah. Um, you know what's kind of you know what's fucked up about that, Josh, is that people and this is this is the one thing that I this is exactly why my initial reaction was a scoff when people online we're bitching about how difficult this game is. This game was made 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You would really get fucked over by those Emmys because it would be a very less rewarding system. And like, for me, I was like, okay, if I die, I just respawn in the last room I was in before I entered the Emmy zone. I was like, there's no real consequence here. And it's not a bad yeah. thing. Well, like, I think it, that's good be... for in terms of accessibility, but it kind of yeah. kills the feeling of the dread you're supposed to feel when yeah. you are in these Emmy zones. Yeah, like, especially if you're an insane person like me who plays too many games, because, like, again, I'm not scared of them. Like, the first several times I saw them, I'm like, well, let's try to learn the parry timings. That's, um, by the end of the game, I was charging them. I was getting real good at those. <laughs> yeah, and it was one of those things where, like, they were generally just annoying until later on, and I'm like, okay, I finally understand the parry windows for most of them. You don't get it every time, but if you miss it, you just start over 
two screens you back. Have, you have two parry options. I don't know if it was the same for you, Josh. I got real yeah. good at the first one. Like I if never I didn't get got on... the second one down because the timing, the timing window for that changes every time. Yeah. It's, there are like three or four different animations they can use to grab you. Mm-hmm. And within those three or four, the timing is not identical each time. Like it'll 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 change it up if like if you don't if you miss the first parry window like it's almost it's not over. even worth trying to learn the second one because it's it's so like eh. set, set will, the thing down take a drink wait for the game to start up again like like I get what they were trying to go for with them but it I don't I don't know like I think a lot of that's gonna come down to your personality like how much that sort of a thing affects you like I know a lot of people that's going to be dread is going to be apt with this like they're the way they're implemented especially the sound design for those areas like I love the music whenever the Emmys are stalking you I love the sound design of like the different beeps and boops they have depending on their state it's great um I think they did an excellent job with that it's just for me, I felt like it just slowed me down anytime I was trying to explore somewhere or like, especially cause like I, I wanted to really poke at the game and, you know, try sequence breaking, seeing what I could do. Like, Oh, I just got a new ability. I know where they're trying to have me go. Let's go everywhere else first. Sort of a thing. Th- there are a couple of those Emmys that are, up in the zone until the end of the game that's just they don't they don't give you the ability to kill them until super late and so you go through the same area with the same emmy over and over and over and over again if you are not just following the main plot and they just got they just got annoying to me because of the way i was trying to play the game and that's that's going to be a person you know person to person change but sure yes I I I wanted to mention that because I definitely felt nervous and bothered by them the first few that I fought, and that the thing I quick. do like, uh, well, it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I do like that the terrain starts to change, making it presumably more difficult for you to start attacking them. I do like that they make yeah. that change. It yeah, makes like it a the little last bit. Couple, mm. The last couple are really pretty puzzly as far as figuring out how you'll. Where the Ever. best place to stand to, to yeah lure them is, in a yeah. place where you have enough time to charge up a shot to, to take them down exactly um, and I like that some of them ended up being in the water because as, yeah. especially when you don't have the gravity suit I loved that because and I, I loved it and I hated it but I mostly mm-hmm. loved it because it's like they if their sonar their sensor they it's much wider at that point. And on yeah. top of that, granted, they mer- they're moving slower in the water like you, but that really, I think that was the most dread I felt with them is when I'm slowly just mm-hmm. plodding through the water. I think that they're... was one of the strongest ones. Um, I, I think, I, yeah, the another room you're talking about because it is the, yeah. the Emmy room with the most water in it. Well, it, it's, it's good mechanically and also it's, I think it's only like you get that almost immediately. Like it, that's that's not a zone where you go through and wander through a bunch of times. Like you go through it once or twice, get the thing and come back and because of that it's just paced really well. Yes. It it works really like, so, like it's a mixed bag. It's really a mixed bag. I feel like some of them are done excellently and some of the other ones I just I hated them by the time I got 
done with it because it's like oh i've got to go through this emmy room and it's like it's it's specifically the third one the one in the third area Mm. um is he's up for fucking ever and he's not that much of a threat compared to all the others because he's he's, a nuisance yeah he's one of the slower ones early on in the game but he's up forever and so it's just it's it's an area you go through constantly and it's always just a chance that oh i might you know might just have to restart two or three rooms or whatever it's not a big threat but it's just it's annoying annoying. yeah yeah and that that i will yeah i i see your point there i it actually wasn't until that water level that i nailed my first parry with them and then i started to finally understand it uh that was a great level to actually get the parry system down because everything's kind of slowed down at that point which is nice um let's get into spoilers at this point because actually this is a great jumping off point to start getting into some of the spoiler stuff so if you're listening now you haven't finished the game you don't want to be spoiled uh skip a little bit ahead we'll put it in the show notes uh the spoiler point that way you you don't get spoiled essentially (laughs) but um yeah you know but yeah, I I got to say I in terms of the Emmys, actually let's not start there. Let's start kind of um a little bit further back. Obviously, you're coming to this planet because there's the threat of the um the virus still being around and these Emmys, you haven't heard from them and you get there and you're kind of slowly starting to unravel this mystery. You don't really get a lot of story until about I didn't understand the the what the story was even trying to get at at first because you yeah I'll I'll skip to the end to explain what the story at the beginning is because I had no fucking clue what they were getting at. You well, get when's the there, last time you played Metroid Fusion? Well, no, not that part, but like the part once you land on the planet. Oh, um, oh okay, no, yeah, yeah. Because like anyway, like like you're saying that the the virus X is on this planet, you thought you eradicated, whatever. That's, that's sort of the generic why are you on this planet thing that every Metroid Samus does. Samus is immune to it because of the events of Metroid Fusion, so she is naturally the yes. one sent to take a look at this. Um, yes. The weird thing that happens at the beginning is you land there, they don't show you the landing, you immediately get in a fight with somebody, and then another scene plays where you're standing in a new place, and they don't and explain what changed the fuck. To color? Yeah, and nothing, they don't explain what the hell happened. And it wasn't until the end of the game that you find out, oh, you lost a fight with this guy. Lost all your abilities. It's like, it's... I, I, I thought it was just bad editing or something. Like, I had ter- no that was idea terrible. what they were trying to even get at at the beginning. That it was did the not part feel like I lost a fight and then woke up in an alley somewhere. They didn't, um depict it well like i th- i kind yeah. of understood that that's what would happen but like i was really grasping at straws for the most part i thought but, it was like a vision or something because that's that's not outside the realm of things they've done yeah before. i thought, I, I thought like, that samus like absorbed the person that she was fighting i was so confused what the hell happened yeah no that shows how kicked your ass yeah yeah and i feel like they could have shown that a little better because i had no idea that was what happened until like somebody was explaining that's what happened like the at the very end of the game you know yeah but, yeah um, exposition dump vinyl monologue mm-hmm. yes 
So, I mean, you go through the first part of the game with that and then just running into these Emmys. And basically this computer program is telling you you need to reach your ship on the surface of the planet. And that's kind of all you really know. And that's what's guiding you. And um, you're being told to pick up these abilities to make yourself stronger so you can escape. You're being guided along these different levels. And you finally get about two-thirds of the way and you run into... Um, are Quiet the bird rope. people called mockers? Is that what they're called? Chose, they're the Chozo. Oh, they're the Chozo. I'm sorry. The other mm-hmm. ones are the mockers. Um, but you run into this, this uh, Chozo who... Quiet uh, Rope. Is, are the, is Quiet Rope from other games? I no. Got this the, is the first time Samus has ever really encountered Chozo. Quiet Rope okay. and Ravenbeak are the last two Chozo. Yeah. Well, okay. first time in the games. Well, yeah, we've like, known I'm, about the Chozo for a long time, but this is the first I, time... I think she, I'm trying to remember if she met them in the manga or not. It's been ages. And anyway, yeah. and, and that never well, came out here officially. I think I watched, yeah. you know, I think, think I found that somewhere online, <laughs> some sort yeah, of fan translation. Fair. But anyway, um, red tube. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, so you run into Quiet Robe and Quiet Robe kind of does an info dump on you. And this is about two thirds of the way through the game that basically. Um, What's the what's the bad one's Ra- name? I'm Ravenbeak. Speaking. Ravenbeak is basically um, trying to perpetuate the virus. R- Ravenbeak has he uh, wants to create a Metroid army using yes. the parasite, mm-hmm. the X parasite. Exactly, exactly, and um, and uh, oh yeah, that's probably another important bit because of the events of past Metroid game again. Metroids are wiped out at this point; there are none left. But oh, yes, I was just gonna Sa- say that, yeah, yeah, Samus contains Metroid DNA, so Samus would be the key to creating this Metroid army he wants to dominate the galaxy with. Right, exactly. And at that point, a uh, quiet robe is assassinated, and you start fighting the mockers uh, well, along the way. Or there is it even them at that point, or are they all par- like? Ex- well, some of them are just mockers at that point, and then they become the parasites because at that point, then the parasites start infiltrating the planet yeah that, yeah at, least that was... at, at that point they've infiltrated everything that's not a robot and all, all the yeah. enemies that you fight at that point that aren't robots have the parasites in them and you have to like go catch the parasite because after you kill them otherwise they'll respawn as whatever else the whole, yes. the whole point yes. shay to give you some context for this because i know you haven't played other metroid games like the whole way x works is just imitating other things like that is what dark samus is Mm, okay that makes sense yeah i i think the game could have done a little bit more with onboarding for that um like like i think about psychonauts too the game just dropped a few months ago and did a phenomenal job of onboarding people who didn't play the first one and the rhombus are ruined this game could have definitely benefited from just a slight bit of onboarding the pertinent exposition dump at the beginning but absolutely no more than is 100 percent vital for you to have any semblance of an idea of what is going on yeah, I, I just, I didn't have a semblance of what was going on entirely, but there's not a lot here to grasp, but they do definitely reference some things that I think needed a little bit more information for someone like me who had never played through a Metroid game sure. in this series. But um, anyways, so, um, you know, you learn about the Emmys and basically they're being controlled by Ravenbeak and uh, that's when they start not really being a problem and so narratively they kind of also are not as 
scary, but I also had one of my favorite moments with the Emmys too, is when you start getting towards the end and those Metroid powers start manifesting within Samus. And when she comes across that Emmy and she just like fucking stops it. I yeah. at that part. I was like, Oh shit. Like I was like, fuck yeah. I was, I was mm-hmm. into that. That was a really cool. That's probably the best moment with the Emmys in general is that exact moment to be like, yeah, these me. things are no longer a threat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that moment. Um, now, we didn't really talk about... We actually didn't talk about the bosses that much. We got to talk about that. The bosses in this game are really good. Um, I want to know why Kraid was just randomly chained up there. Have you seen him? Way. Would you let that guy walk free? Yeah, but why was he just chilling there, you know? Because he's and being then, a uh, dick. Fucking douchebag. <laughs> but uh, I, I really like the boss encounters in this game and how they just slowly get more and more difficult. and. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a cool system, like how yeah. you fought this like towering enemy, and then once you get better abilities, it's nothing. So they create an even bigger towering enemy, and they build upon that. Or you're fighting some of these robots, and they just add more layers to the same fight. That they did a really bird good job. Boss is the first boss. <laughs> That's the uh, second boss, right? Crate is the first boss. No, 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 no. Crate is the second boss. The the, fla- oh, okay. the Flappy Bird boss is l- literally the first boss. You pass through a room um, at one point in the game where you see the first boss on like a giant table oh, in I the background being yes. like operated on by machines. That Flappy yes. Bird boss is the first boss, like returned. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I'm sorry. You're right about that. Um, yeah, he got the taken boss over were... by the by the X at that point and kind of yeah. yeah, yes. The boss fights are really cool, and um, yeah, that second boss fight was. That was a doozy, but um Great is fun. Yeah, well and, and that Flappy Bird boss was pretty fun, but let's like let's jump into the end. So there there's a there's a a twist that the computer that you've been talking to I don't and this one this one's a little bit nebulous. I didn't know if it's the I'm pretty sure, like I'm ninety percent sure, that the computer you've been talking to from the very beginning has been Ravenbeak the whole time. Yeah, that's the implication I got. Since you landed on the planet, yeah, at least. Like, Samus I, was convinced it was, like, the ship's onboard computer, but at least since you landed, Ravenbeak has been yeah, the one Yeah, no, you. once you land on the planet, he hacks your Siri, and, uh... Xbox, yeah, record he, that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, um... I kind of got the feeling about... At the point where Quiet Robe was murdered, I was like... I bet you Ravenbeak is the computer voice orchestrating all of this shit. And then I, I was still a good twist. I was still like, oh shit. But mm-hmm. um, I, I did expect it a little bit. Not mm-hmm. a bad thing at all. But I, I do like that the twist happens. It's a real Bioshock cool moment for us. <laughs> um, Would you kindly also, turn into a Metroid? Right. I love that final boss fight, and I like leading up to it as you're getting more abilities and you're fighting these enemies. That yeah. Samus's suit is constantly changing; it's evolving to different colors, and I really like that presentation. They've always done that to some degree. Fusion is the one that first made it like really cool. Like the way the suit would change in Fusion was like drastic. Yeah, very drastic. Other than just minor color changes, and then they've kind of kept it up with all the Prime games since then. Here's the um, thing I, I found, um, the various suit, the half step before you get the gravity suit. I was slightly disappointed in the various suit because I really like the color scheme of the starting suit in this game. 
Hmm. That's fair. I'm glad that's yeah. an amiibo. I still need to get that amiibo. Oh. I love all the different forms that Samus has in this, but um, what did you guys think about that final fight uh, between you and Quiet Robe and the reveal? I, let me jump. Sorry, let me jump back real quick. Quiet Robe reveals that he implanted some of his DNA Raven in Beak. Samus. What? Ravenbeak. Raven sorry, Ravenbeak. <laughs> I combined their names. Sorry, Ravenbeak mm -hmm. combined some of the D his DNA into Samus, making him her father. Yeah. We knew from the like for years now in Metroid that like Samus had some kind of weird connection to the Chozo. It was just unclear what that was. I'm glad they made good on answering that. So like Samus ends up being basically like this Chozo. So why, why does all Metroid this Chozo artifacts stuff work for for you know, Samus, but nobody else? Samus. Yeah, yeah. I think it, that's kind of neat to end up having this really come to a head with Samus basically being some kind of Chozo Metroid hybrid and. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how much they're going to carry this stuff through because it's unclear when other Metroid stories take place. If they take place somewhere in between this timeline, like what's this look like for Metroid Prime 4? Does any but, of this matter? Or Yeah, that's what I don't know. Cause, well, all the other Prime games were before this. Yeah, um, which I, I think makes more sense because the main through line that started yeah. with Metroid proper. Because yeah. <laughs> there, there were still Metroids in those games. So, yes, exactly. Um, and presumably there will be metroids in metroid prime 4 yeah yeah I, I don't think they've gone far enough samus hasn't that, killed them all yet yes in in the prime series for it to have lapped any of the other main line games um hmm. but we'll, we'll see when four gets here it, it doesn't seem like it though i think it should still be set in the past um yeah more than likely yeah but yeah it was uh, neat i thought at least yeah it's a, it a cool little reveal and i what did you guys so now what did you guys think about the final boss Oh, I love I, that fight. I think that's the best boss in the game. Yeah. Um, by, Easily. A, by a lot. He's a, that is yes. a great boss. It frustrated um, me in all of the right ways. <laughs> yep. That is the best way to put it. Like, what I love about that boss fight, and the reason why we didn't talk about it in the non-spoilery section, because obviously there's a lot leading up to it, but um, I love that you have to use multiple abilities for each phase. Like, um... You have to use your, what is it, your Aeon Shift? Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. like yeah, that's basically, the Flash Shift. Yeah, Flash Shift, thank you. You have to use your Flash Shift. You have to use your, your Gravity Jump. You have to use your um, missiles. You, have to, you can use the Lock-On Missiles if you want. You don't have to, but you can. I mostly use the Lock-On Missiles in that first phase. Like it's the Same. Slam with the lock-on missiles. You want to hit that dark orb to get your health back and just be ready to counter those melee attacks because that's where you do the real damage. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there, there's, there are some different strategies there in that first phase. The second phase was the one that um, get, it, was, it took me the longest to learn and get past that just because of the, of the, the double jump or the jumping ability to basically jump around when he's doing that spiral he, oh, shot yeah, yeah. yes to keep moving yeah. the whole time it, you really just need to for, for the run to be successful I, the key in the second phase is really just like i need to lose the least amount of health possible during this phase because exactly. there's no chance to recover it and it's like once you're in that third phase yeah, you just gotta take pot shots safe. when you're safe safe yeah because the openings in that phase are very small and he's a um, bullet sponge in that phase as well which was a bit frustrating 
I, I mean, it's I not, think he has less health in that phase than all the others. It's yeah, just that phase one, he definitely takes the um, most hits. But if you're using that scram missile, the shift missile or whatever the hell it's called, he goes down a lot faster. Well, that, does, that does, first does, phase does, is more because he's armored. That, like you guys are saying, you have to counter, and um, yeah, you, you just dodge those, stuff. You have to get those you, kind of until quick, you counter them. Quick, yeah. Oh, get, yeah, you get those quick time sequences. I don't think his necessarily quote unquote as much health as it's more. He's armored. That second phase, he definitely had more um health than he everything did in the damages phase. oh can we uh say i think this is important to note as you enter that third phase fucking power move i thought this guy's about to sephiroth on us and then he just <laughs> rips his own wing off that's yeah. fucking that's a power move like that's a that turn was epic work. yeah mm-hmm. that was epic as fuck um so good and i like in those sequences how you see samus kind of as the metroid um DNA is taking hold and those powers are taking hold that she's struggling to contain that power as well. Um, cause up until that point, she was just like absorbing the power from the, her victims and stuff like that. And you can see that really starting to manifest in this fight. And, um, in that third phase, yeah, there, there are some additional abilities. Like when she, uh, when, uh, Raven beak shoots that, that big ball of flame, you can use the power bomb to just blow that, that, um that fire up that way that's just one less thing you got to deal with there's some there are different strategies there i didn't even know you could do that i was just taking that shit on the chin oh (laughs) yeah you can just blow that shit up right away as soon as i saw that flame coming up i was like power bomb that shit um but there are a few different strategies thankfully he's not armored in that third stage and then you have one quote-unquote fourth and final stage where um the x virus actually uh controls uh Ravenbeak and you have to fight this kind of monstrous version of him and by fight I mean you just have to power up your shot and just hold it until it's fully powered up and blast it away and it's a little bit of a Kamea Kamea Gohan mm-hmm. cell <laughs> sequence for you completely The real Ravenbeak's behind you and you do the father son father daughter uh Omega Cannon <laughs> Yes mm-hmm. exactly now I I loved that after after you kill Raven Beak that her suit changes into this very predator style looking suit and you're just Kamehameha blasting. You just look like a Metroid kind like there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's I love that fucking look. I would buy like a fucking Prima Arts figure of that shit like Metroid Same. ass Samus. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It was epic as fuck looking and i love that sequence it reminded me in some ways of bastion actually of out of all the games that i thought the of. kid had the finally could... killed raven beak now it's well, time you, to get, get off get this cannon rock. and you're just blasting away at the end as you're trying to escape kind of the same it's obviously i don't know if one inspired the other or whatnot but where you are just escaping the planet you have five minutes and you're just blasting everything with your your super powerful cannon which I loved that yeah. sequence so that's, much. That's a, that's a staple at this point. They, there's been an escape at the end on most of them at this point, and they yeah. generally generally they don't give you new weapons, but they tune down the... Well, some, there have been new weapons occasionally, but a lot of times they'll like tune down the enemies that you've been fighting the whole time yeah. already just so that you just blast them away in a shot or two. Um, and it just feels nice. It's supposed to feel more like the escape runs at the end of a Halo game. Like, it's a victory lap. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty freaking epic. I loved that sequence. And then um you have one kind of I don't know, final 
twist at the end where uh, the Metroid is about to completely take over, and then you see Quiet Robe in the ship, but it's like a X X virus version of him. Yeah, and, and like his consciousness is still there. Did we mention and... him getting killed? I don't yeah. know if we mentioned that we in the spoilers. Yeah, we okay. yeah we mentioned yeah we did. And then he's basically like, "Hey, don't let it control you," kind of thing. You got to control it. And then, um, kind of like Quiet Robe kind of is absorbed by Samus, and at that point, Samus basically is able to control the Metroid side of her DNA, and then she escapes the planet. Mm-hmm. And that's the game. So, um, I mean, really quickly, like I said, because we're not going to be do it, doing a chomping after dark, and I guess this is kind of a preview for your review, Rich. I think that this is definitely going to be a contender for game of the year. It's going to be in, in the conversation. It's going to be me. in the conversation at That's, the very yeah. least. It's, I fucking adored it. I adore Metroid. Yeah. It's been so fucking long. Uh, Josh and I were streaming that Nintendo Direct where they announced this game, and I couldn't believe this is fucking happening. Neither of us oh, could. Yeah, like, oh, God, we're getting Metroid 5. This is unbelievable. And it's out in, like, two months. Yeah. Um, and I it lived up to the hype for me. I'm really tied a, a nice, neat bow on the story the mainline Metroid games have been telling for almost 30 years. Uh. Mm-hmm. Fucking loved it. Fucking loved it. Yeah, same. I, I'm i glad this was my first Metroid game that I have played, and I definitely have some interest in the future when I have some downtime going back and playing some of those older Metroid games, and when oh, yeah. I have time... You've got I a good selection on the, uh, on the Switch there with the, the... Everything but 2 and Fusion. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, when I eventually get to that point, I'll be hitting you guys up for suggestions, but oh, yeah. I'm really glad this is my first Metroid game. Um... In the future, I guess, you know, as a guy being new to the franchise, I hope that any subsequent games, they update some of their archaic systems that they've clung to most specifically, almost exclusively, the double jump. They definitely need to make that more modern. Shay, you have a a 3DS over there with you? Yep. I, uh, like, if you're looking for what the next Metroid thing you would play is, I'd recommend you pick up Samus Returns, the remake of Metroid 2. 3ds like that's where a lot of the dna of this one comes from and it is it's real good okay i mean like when i get downtime i'll definitely yeah 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 no like it when the time comes that you're like i think i want to try another older metroid i think that's the the one yeah especially since you just played this it's it's the one that they made melee a thing with and uh yeah it's got really satisfying combat it was the thing yeah. when they first showed Dread. I'm like, oh, I'm glad they kept that melee counter thing from yeah, Samus Returns. I'm so like, glad they kept that. That was just, that was my favorite part about it. The combat in that game is excellent. And they, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Other than like a few hiccups in this game, like we talked about, like the opening sequence of whatever the fuck that was. Um, yeah. The, a little bit of the lack of um, memorable ambient music and maybe the weight of the Emmys didn't feel quite as impactful due to a, what I think is a generous checkpoint system. Um, Very generous. Yeah. Yeah. I think this game's got it where it counts. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for the most part, it's a great success and um, great success. I don't think it's a perfect game, but I, I think it's a really good game. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's move on. Uh, You guys played some back for blood. We did. Uh, yeah. A game that also just recently dropped that um, kind of paired with our topic and inspired our topic for this week in some regards. I, ha- I've, I haven't played it since the demo, unfortunately. Bastard, um, man. 
I actually kind of left that demo with a bad taste in my mouth, unfortunately, because same. I think well, that had nothing to do with the game. Gross. <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I told you guys and we discussed this that basically I felt like the difficulty spike from easy to normal was insane. Like normal didn't feel like normal, and a part of that was just if you're not in a cohesive group of four people. Yeah. Or anybody well, leaves it, uh, early, that AI just is. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, the AI is still trash. Um, I don't think the AI is tuned to, at all, depending on how many people you have, is the thing. And I think that's the yeah. issue. The other issue is, and they kept all this stuff kind of under wraps. Um, if you play that game on solo, it locks you out of everything. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. There's no progression. Um, you can't get achievements at all in the game. Uh, Why would they do that? It's fantastic question. Um, Fantastic, fantastic question, considering you're still forced to be online to do all that. Yeah. Um, Huh. Uh, Like, like, I can't even think about, like, in terms of mechanics or anything like that, what purpose that would serve. The thing that's crazy is... I saw uh, that people have been complaining about that online, from my understanding, correct? Rightfully so, yeah. It's Yeah. It's a weird and bad choice. Um, like the silver lining of what I can say with everything is like at the end of the day, what is this game? It's Left for Dead Three. It's Left for Dead with some different progression systems, more modern card based progression systems, and some neat ideas that aren't executed that well in a lot of spots. I'm having plenty of fun with it. Josh and I have played a bunch together. We're gonna continue to do that this weekend. We're actually gonna probably do some tomorrow night if you, if you want to join uh, uh, Shay um, on stream. But uh, this will have already happened by the time you're listening to this. The, th- the thing for me is, like, I'm having a lot of fun with it. We're playing it on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. If I had paid $60 for this, I'd feel pretty burned. That was one of my big concerns. I, for some reason, forgot it was on Game Pass. And I had even, like, pre-saved it to be downloaded on oh, my yeah, system. Oh, you said it to us. You're like, oh, I didn't even buy it yet. I'm like, I'm never buying it. I didn't buy it either. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the, thi- the thing was, walking out of that demo, I was like... This feels like a step down from Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, and there are definitely some glaring issues, and I hope yeah. that within the month and a half to two months that this demo has been out, that they're able to fix some of these issues. I, and I don't yeah, think it's the, necessarily... You're telling me this. It sounds yeah. like, no, they didn't fix I don't it. think no, it's necessarily it's a, a step down. They've exacerbated some of them, if that helps. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'd ever call it a step down, and I think part of that might be rose-colored glasses on Left 4 Dead 2 for you. Like... Mm, possibly this feels like a left for dead sequel like this feels like what i expected my expectations might have not been quite as lofty as yours um it's been ages did well how I was will the say scaling that the, for different group sizes in that because it's been it was forever pretty much non-existent the way it is here yeah because it, it's well, pretty much non-existent which is where it doesn't work as well like rich was saying he, he before the show, he played with four friends. I played, you know, with yeah, with up three to other the friends, boat. so you had a full party. Up to that first, um, like with four people, that game is great, and it feels. And there was a moment that the last moment I did with four people, where you have to end up blowing up a, a boat. You plant charges and try and escape in a jeep. And when Josh and I did it together, the horde was coming down hard, and there's a timer for this boat to go off, and Josh was down. The AI doesn't do shit to get you up, and. The timer was ticking. I just had to leave Josh, or, or we were going to forward the level. I'm like, sorry, and I just kind of jumped over his corpse and ran off the boat. Well, yeah. I mean, that's... Left 4 Dead 2, 1 and 2, 
had at least a decent AI. Like, I'm not going to say it was great. I'm not going to say it was, like... I don't even remember enough to comment on it. It's terrible here. It's terrible. This game doesn't even have a serviceable AI, so I definitely think that's a step down. I also, in in terms of what Josh was mentioning right before that, about, um, not necessarily scale, but I think that Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 was a little bit more corridor-y which also allowed mm. for the scale to be a little bit better, where this game is so much more open. On top of that, you have shittier AI, which makes it that much more difficult. Um, like, and that's, I get your point, Josh, of like, granted, not the demo exacerbate being, or um, this game exacerbating issues of the demo, just that in general, some of the things that were good about Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 seemed like didn't translate or weren't, configured correctly here i don't necessarily want a replica of left 4 dead or left 4 dead 2 but if you're going to expand the environments that's fine that's awesome that's what we want but the ai need to reflect it kind of they need to pull their weight because i feel like a lot of the difficulty comes from them just throwing fucking ridiculous amounts of zombies at you and the different kinds too which can be really like not even not even the kinds but just too many damn zombies. And if only two of you are there, no one's watching all four sides. Like, it's, it's a matter of, you've got to kind of split your attention. And, like, yes. everybody kind of clear an area, focus down a special one, go back to your areas or whatever. But with two people, you just, you can't cover all your bases. Um, yeah, even if you have, like, three AI, you guys remember that? Granted, again, most of my experience comes from the demo, so I understand that Mm -hmm. I can't fully and eloquently speak on the full, fully finished product. But you guys remember that level in the demo, the fog level? Yeah. I fucking hated that level because it was like if you don't have competent players there, you're fucked because you have limited visibility and you're already trying to defend all four sides because it is a wide area and there are a lot of vantage points. Sure. It's yeah. It's it's something that like. It's still a fun game, but they really, they really needed to spend some more time on that AI, and they really needed to configure the environments and the AI to work um, in synchronicity because it there is a disparity there, and it's bad at yeah. times. Yeah, for sure. It's it, it's one of those things. Like I, I was saying, alluding earlier, I'd be a lot harder on it if I had paid sixty dollars for it. I think it's fine. It's not something I have a desire to play. I, I, if I decide I want to write some words about this game, that's the only time I'll try playing any of it solo for a need to see what that's like. But playing with Josh, we get by. It's harder in some parts, but we get by. And other than that, having like a good four people is the best way to play this game. But I hope they fix that AI. I hope they make that stuff more serviceable. I, I have one question for you guys. Um, now, the demo had just kind of like a collection of levels that seemed to not really connect very well together. And I think they were just kind of trying to showcase, obviously, the different things you could do in the game. Do, do the levels have a better progression? No. The actual... They are the same as that. That like, was the they real give, really? They have little cutscenes between them to explain why you're going from one to the next, but they're more or less nonsense explaining I mean, why you're there going are, from one to the next. It's... The way they split it up is there's three acts... And then there's chapters within them and certain legs. It'll be like these three levels are connected by safe rooms and they are fully coherent, but then they end with a cutscene that brings you to the next thing. Um, 
the cards are the, are the bigger customization option, and I think the thing that makes it more alluring than Left 4 Dead on that are, one, the cards so you can totally build out how you're playing, and mm-hmm. two, as you progress, you unlock a lot more characters with a lot more interesting starting abilities. I did like that about the demo a mm-hmm. lot. The, I think that was a welcome addition, um, even though we get, we've given a lot of shit for like cards and stuff like that on here at times, like and... when it feels more loot boxy and whatnot, but I did like that with Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, there's next to no... Um, customization. It's like a, a deck building system is put into. Yeah, in interesting yeah. Way. Like I was, I was worried it was going to end up feeling, like you're saying, kind of like some shit loot box progression system, whatever. But the way you unlock them is very cons- feels like, organic. I think. Well, it's not like less to do with organic or not. It's it's a choice you make. Um, it tells you what cards you're going to unlock by putting X currency. From oh, you're saying it's like a more active approach to. Yes, these. you get to pick like, OK, like I see something way down this track that's going to fit into a style build I want to go with. Like um, there's no randomness was, to it. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I'm currently working on sort of like a frontline tank build. Like, OK, I, I want this one that gives me temporary health whenever i hit something with a shotgun so i can just go stand on the front line and blast stuff away and have a little bit of a buffer if something hits me Um, exactly i I do like like that that. i like that about the system that there's clear defined conditions to how you can build into that Mm -hmm. like you guys are saying it's not complete randomization and they give you the tools to do that in theory so I do appreciate that system a lot. I did, at least during the demo. And there's so. yes. the, the, the only random element is when you're actually in the gameplay, which is the first card you put in your deck is always going to be the card you start with. And I think the first mm. five are your, your starting hand. And yes. basically in between safe rooms, you draw, and then you get to put a card in play. Right. And that's the yep. only random element to it. And it's just like, it's deck building. Like you're... Everything in there is something you want. It's choosing when you're going to get the thing you want to to work with, and I think that stuff works and is fun. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, is there anything like major to expand upon from the demo? I mean, like obviously, I'm going to play. I mean, we it haven't still. gotten to a lot of new content. I've replayed a lot of the same stuff with different groups of people, so I can't yeah. like Josh and I got considerably further than the demo, but not like in an insane way. I also didn't play mm. as much of the demo as you guys. I had like that one uh, session we had Josh okay. and then it was gone. All right. But uh it, Again, I I I honestly don't feel like there's much of a story to try to make it into a cohesive thing. They're just levels. They're just it's just like they're more just, or less just levels. Stop trying to make Ridden happen. Yeah. Oh, oh, another minor thing, but it, it was a gigantic fucking pain in the ass. Um, early on in the game, there's a oh. section with a jukebox that plays a bunch of licensed Which is music. A great section, by the way. It's a really yeah, fun bit. It's really cool. There is no streamer mode for this game. Oh, fuck. And I looked all over before we started. I'm like, there's bound to be some sort of licensed music in a game like this. Couldn't find it anywhere because there isn't a streamer mode. And then we're getting ready to end the night and get to this area. I'm like, well, there that's goes literally that where pod. we stopped. <laughs> it was like the last level we did was Ballroom Blitz, which it sucks too because like it's a really like that was one of the more fun parts. It's a really cool bit yeah. where the whole playthrough sequence is you need to sort of divert attention from this refugee camp. So you go to a bar nearby and you turn on the jukebox to attract the horde, 
and like hold them back while the camp evacuates. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool thematically. But like I had spent, I don't know, like a good 10 minutes before the stream trying to find this damn streamer mode. I'm like, oh, maybe there isn't any licensed music. Yeah, we were like, what are the odds? And then literally for that to happen. Yeah. Um, it turns out the solution is before you get to that level, just m- turn off the music, which that's not a solution, guys. That's no, that sucks. That's a pain in my ass is what that is. That's um, so confusing, too, because this game, obviously, a lot of people are going to want to stream it. Oh, it's such a right? obvious co-op. contender for streaming. Like people still stream Left 4 Dead. Yeah. Like, who's not going to want to stream this thing? And then that early on in the game, like a few levels in, you're like, bam, copyright strike. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, this game has the potential to be really good, obviously. And I guess the thing that's confusing to me is that this game was delayed for three months. What did they work on? Because <laughs> there's still a lot of issues with this game. Who knows? <laughs> like, not to not to say it's a piece of shit and it's, it's not It's fun, not. It's just, it's got issues it, that you feel like would have been worked issues. out. Yeah, I'm it's got a lot think. of issues. And usually the delay is supposed to fix things like that. But I'm not, I'm there's not no sure. end in sight for well, a lot of these issues. Well, they're not performance issues. They're just, there's some bad yeah, decision making. Yeah, yeah, the game making. runs really well. Like the netcode's really solid. It's it. Everything seems to work well. It's just they're tuning issues all over and whatever the fuck was like. Why? Why didn't they put a streamer mode in there? How how obvious would that have been? Um, yeah. I mean, anyway, that, I, that, again, that's a completely secondary concern. But it just it bugged yes. the fuck out of me <laughs> while I mean, we were yeah. sitting there playing. Um, Understandable. I mean. So. I, I think I'd be a little bit frustrated too, and like you said, they are secondary. It's still it's still an issue. It, you that's part of our job here is to point these things yeah. out. I think some of the other issues we mentioned before are definitely the bigger, more glaring issues. But this is still an issue as well. I mean, and yeah. it's yeah, it needs yeah. to be. I'll just just so. point that out. So if if you get to an area where you see a jukebox and you're streaming, just mute your music, turn turn yeah. it off, and you can turn the, it back on after. The level is ballroom blitz. Yes. You'll notice the jukebox. Like, there's no way you can miss it if you know that it's there. So, it's kind of a warning to you. Mm. If, if I wonder you're... if it's like, like Twitch, as an Emmy, like sees the jukebox on their <laughs> right? sensor and they're like, oh, oh shit, mm. I got to go investigate this shit. Quick, mute this Metallica concert. <laughs> that is still the greatest thing to have ever happened by way of the DCMA or DMCA. It's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. But um, I'm excited for us to actually play as a group. Um, yeah, we finally yeah. Get to do that. So, yeah. But um, the other game we're going to mention today is Jet the Far Shore, which um, obviously Rich talked about in, at length last week as he had gotten his review up. And Josh now has had time with the game. So I'm going to kind of pass it over to them real quick. And I'll sit in the background as they kind of talk about their final thoughts on this game. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna try to avoid too many spoilers but like go very narrative heavy game yeah it's a very narrative heavy game so there's anyway i'm gonna gonna get into slightly more narrative stuff like this in broad broad strokes from what we were talking last week um quick you know description if you know 
you weren't here for that. Uh, Jet the Far Shore is a sci-fi game where you are playing as a scout for a mission um, where, you know, humanity's done wrecked Earth, going to a new planet. We need to scout it so we can figure out where we want to set up settlements and whatnot. Um, um, that has a lot of kind of religious overtones to it, kind of in in a lot of um, it's 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 that you know variety that flavor of of sci-fi, the sort of you know religious futurism type thing, um, sort a la dune in that sort of it's in that area there are giant Um, worms so yeah that checks out yes um anyway kind of last week left off i was concerned because um i could talk to rich like like we're on this mission to save humanity all of humanity and whatnot and they're conspicuous conspicuously Old folks on this mission to, you know, repopulate the species. Like, like what, what did, was the hegemony that important to, to maintain that we needed to bring all these old people with us? Yep. Um, to do that. Um, and just kind of thought it was all in my head or whatever and whatnot. And immediately after starting my next session since then, there's literally a character talking to you about. You're, you know, are you guys really sure about that hegemonic mission that you're on here? And like, like verbatim. And I'm like, oh, oh no, no, I wasn't, wasn't imagining that. Um, Josh, I have to interrupt you for a second just mm. to say the word hegemony is always a word I have to look up because it's just Mm. one of those words I always forget the definition to. I've heard it a hundred (laughs) times and I always forget it. Not that I'm saying, please define it. I'm just... Funny random aside, you know, like everybody has those words where they hear the definition a hundred times and they're like, I can't fucking put that in my brain no matter how hard I try. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For me, it's Um, Caterpillar. (laughs) People say, I'm like, oh, you mean Wiggly Tins? (laughs) That's what I call them. Um, Yeah, yeah, the the game kind of from that point goes on to kind of recontextualize the entire mission you're on. Also, also they explain, they didn't really explain this at the very beginning. Uh, the, the ship that you went on this whole mission with is like a, uh, you know, it's a colony ship, a colony ship. Everyone else is just in, in, in stasis essentially. So it's not just the old folks. It's just that they were the ones kept, you know, woken up first because we need to make sure that they're anyway. So they're sort of overseeing your leg of the mission, which is to be the first people to land and sort of gather information and send it back up to the colony ship. Yeah. uh, But again, they're doing some interesting things with it that I've kind of liked so far uh, as far as again, you're getting, you're getting to meet, your your squad there's like essentially three ships worth of crews so you you and a navigator on these three different scout ships 
Um, so you've got the six of you flying around and then the two commanders back at the base, um, which are the two old guys or the, you know, the old guy and the old, old woman. Um, and they've done a really good job of fleshing out each of these characters personality wise. Um, including kind of showing all of their different takes on the sort of mystical religious side of, of everything going on. Um, I think one of the more interesting points of that, Josh, is that there's a point where you get to where there's some sort of religious holiday or whatever that's coming up mm -hmm. and you go through the dinner for that and the ceremony. And there's, there's a few characters who kind of like, like give you the impression that they're kind of like, is this really important right now? Like, why are we doing this? Yeah, like, is this yeah. what we should be focused on? Yeah, it's it's interesting because you get you get a wide variety. You have a few like that, like it's like it's just us guys. We don't have to do this nonsense. And then uh, one thing that I kind of liked, it's kind of going in a different direction than you're expecting, is the two old folks are not the super religious people there. So like. They're these leaders, but they're, you know, not, there are people there who are kind of like, you know, reading all the scriptures and whatnot. And it's worth and noting, it's your them. character, May, is a mystic. She is the religious figure sent on this Yes, this the, specifically, specifically for that reason. Um, and it's anyway, it's it's interesting because there's a whole thing with essentially the religion predicted all this and whatnot. But then And again, I don't know how similar to Dune this is gonna be, like maybe the religion, like, oh, all the prophecies actually are true, sort of a thing, because um Stick your hand in this box. The 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 so far, like the the kind of theme of the religion in this is that there were all these prophecies, but then everything kept coming true, like actually. Um, and it seems like the old folks are kind of along the lines of, yeah, it's come true so far, but we're going to, we need to keep verifying everything. Like, don't, don't just assume everything's going to be exactly like, you know, our book says it's going to be, um, which kind of surprised me for their characters. Um, like there's, there's more depth to how each of them relates to all of, all of this than just kind of the cookie cutter expectations that you'd, sure. that you'd have for each of them. Um, I, I think it's really well done. I, I am, I am absolutely loving the way the narrative is put together in this. Um, it's just, it's, it's, excellently done um i, I think it, it it definitely goes places it's hard to talk about it nauseam because it is such a narrative focused game yeah without spoiling a bunch i'm just trying to give broad strokes again like i'm saying it was without... such a tough game to review for that reason like games that are so narrative focused it, it gets hard to talk at nauseam about what works about the plot without getting too ingrained yeah without in spoiling it. anything yeah i'm like i'm <laughs> trying to dance around subjects and kind of give you ideas but yeah I think the best way I explained it this way in the review, because I think it's worth mentioning, like Jet juxtapositions itself with like these known sci-fi tropes and ideas and introduces a lot of familiar ideas. 
And then it smashes a lot of your preconceived notions about that and takes yeah. it in interesting places. And like to its credit, that is that just makes the writing kind of soar in spots. That is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not it's it's not I feel like there are a lot of movies that do that. What if what if the superheroes are bad guys? I'm like, that's not interesting. We we've we've all done that. Like it's We it's had not, that idea in the nineties and we haven't shut up about yeah, it. Yeah, like since. it's not just about doing the opposite of everything that you know the conventions say. It's more about Yeah, I've seen that Will Smith movie. It it's No yeah, thanks. Yeah, there there there's 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 a ton of room in sci fi to examine all these different big ideas. Um Again, like some of some of these are topics that kind of have been hit on, but there's more room. There's there's more there's more meat to kind of to pull out of a lot of these ideas. And I feel like I kind of I mentioned this before, but these are the guys who did Sword and Sorcery EP, which is kind of like, okay, let's take all these adventure game, you know, fantasy tropes and. uh kind of build that out into a its own world that's kind of deconstructing a lot of what they do and you know put it under the microscope and and and, and see what makes these things tick um and I'm I'm getting a ton of that it's just you know what with sci-fi on this game it it's it's um it's it's ticking all the right boxes, just just the way that did, um, but with a you know different thematic core, for sure. Cool. Yeah, I um I was listening to a podcast earlier this week, and they were talking about it as well, and how difficult it is to talk about the game without spoiling stuff because yeah. it it is a very narrative heavy game. So I can only imagine you guys trying to. Talk about it right now without it's really hard anything. to dance around, but it's it's a hell of a game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's that's like uh, and again, kind of peeling the curtain back a little bit. We did a chopping after dark on Squid Game earlier today, and I can't imagine trying to talk about that show. It was yesterday without, for us. That's true. Without <laughs> giving some level of spoilers, but um, yeah, it's always difficult to try and navigate those waters, but. We're going to take another very quick break, um, and then we're going to be back with the social media stuff to round out the show. Uh, There's a little bit left to go, so we will be right back. X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. New match at store.swordjump.com. You there, boy. What news? News, sir! New graphic designs over at store.swordchomp.com! New graphic designs at store.swordchomp.com. That's right, sir! My god! You can get all the designs you want on t-shirts, masks, hoodies, even phone cases! They've done it. Those Swordchomp boys have brought Christmas early. Oi, sir! This surely will be the best Christmas yet if you navigate over to store.swordjump.com right now. God 
bless you, son. God bless us, everyone! All right, and we're back. Uh, that break was great. We did a lot of things in that what? break. <laughs> we did all of the things in that break. So um, Did I black out again? Yes. <laughs> How long was I gone this time? What day is we it? Gassed you, we gassed you in the van, is what uh, happened. Another thing, that's not how you do that. You don't gas them in the van. You don't get the cat in the car and then put it in the kennel. Mm-hmm. Well, who are you to say that? A kidnapper. Huh. No wonder why you got that new dog. But no, every Tuesday at the sword shop. Okay, what's the kid? <laughs> we let Jeez. the kid go. Calm down. Um, every Tuesday at the sword shop Instagram, you can vote on some polls that we curate and we love to discuss them on the show. So gets to voting. Um, the first poll was uh me asking, when did the internet, or when will the internet stop? And there was a picture of a YouTube video called Vaporeon Breeding, and it's a very uh, sexu- sexually aroused-looking Vaporeon. Uh, 46% of people said they see me squirting, and uh, 54% of people said, what the fuck, man? Which uh, is the correct answer there. Yeah, I just... Yeah. Even the normal Vaporeons are borderline. Hmm. Well, good news um, is that I told you guys that sometimes I see random Pokemon stuff in Japan and they had been using Vaporeon as kind of a promotional mascot for some of the water treatment and work stuff here. Now it is officially a mascot. Hmm. That's cool for the water water stuff here so uh cool. yeah that was kind of interesting so next poll i've heard and seen multiple people mention that th- mention that this year has been slow for gaming and i said what the hell are people smoking 64 percent of people said the devil's lettuce and then 36 percent <laughs> of people said the truth my dude and uh i don't understand I, I'm like I had a few people message me and say, you know, it's all dependent on um, taste. And yes, I know that. I mean, it goes without saying. But the thing is, like, obviously, this is one of the reasons why we have a podcast. We want people to broaden their mind, and we're trying mm-hmm. to give people um, analysis on different styles of games, even if um, some of them are indie and not in your typical wheelhouse. If you are a triple a game player that's fine but some of these games have elements of a triple a game and do different things with it and maybe you're looking for the same experience and that's fine you're looking to get into fifa 22 you're looking into get far cry 6 you're yeah. looking into get the new call of duty just, i'm not it's judging been slow it's been slow there's only been the one madden game this year yeah it's crazy <laughs> i'm not gonna judge people for wanting a similar gameplay they know what they like that's fine. That's what some people do. I mean, hey, I eat the same breakfast, and I've eaten the same breakfast for over seven years now. I ass. haven't changed it much. Wow. Um, and I love what I eat for breakfast. It's um, ass. <laughs> no, it's pussy, Rich. You were not listening <laughs> to the beginning of the show. 
Oh wait, that's Josh. But um, no, I I get that. But I think there's been such a wide range of different games this year, and I was talking about it with Bebop, and I've talked about it with these guys privately. I have played more games this year and finished more games this year than I have in the five years we've been doing this podcast. I just I didn't I I can't fathom thinking that this has been a slow year for gaming. And yes, there have been a lot of delays. When you consider that, you consider the amount of delays we've had this year. I'm so grateful for um, them. That's understandable. I mean, like, there were a lot more games that were supposed to drop this year. It's supposed to be a more packed year. Unfortunately, that's not the case now. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I still can't agree that it's been a slow year. I Nothing agree that I can't say. agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what am I? <laughs> but at? like, it's like seventy-five games this year. I think on my list currently. Yeah. Oh my fucking. Oh, you're an God. animal, Josh. It's crazy, yeah. dude. It's too many fucking games. But mm-hmm. I think part of the issue too is people are forgetting some of the game. Like it's it's simultaneously felt like a very slow and a very quick year, and I think people are forgetting some games that have come out. Like you guys remember this? We've Cyber had, Shadow like, came out at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. We had like a yeah. bunch of like really dense weeks of gaming essentially. Like yes. it'll be a, there'll be a big space between a few of them and then like all of a sudden five games will come out in a week. Um that are all exactly really solid. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I I wouldn't say that people are completely wrong. I don't want to like I would. shit on people's <laughs> opinions, but I think that there's more into the more factoring in here than just it's a slow year for gaming. I don't believe that in the slightest. So mm-hmm. maybe it feels slower in the AAA space, but it, there's still plenty of stuff even there. Yeah, I think so too. So. Yeah. Uh, so, um, as if you guys haven't seen this picture yet, just to show you guys, I don't know if you looked at it. Um, there is a an Xbox Nickelodeon All Star Brawl themed limited edition Xbox. There are two of them that are coming out. One is a SpongeBob's um, Xbox Series X, and then there's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one that I desperately need. It's Leonardo. And... They picked the worst turtle. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. He's, start, he's no. trying to start a fight. You know whose kid's favorite turtle is Leonardo? The kid's with the personality that's a piece of fucking cardboard. Like, his personality is he's in charge. That's horrible. Ah. Uh. Yeah, that that take is about as um, hot as <laughs> fucking. I don't know. Leonardo's a cow bummer. <laughs> That's a good joke, but fuck, it's such it's a terrible it. take. It's but worth that it. joke was worth it. that joke was worth that terrible take. But anyways, I said, how badly do you want one of these limited editions Xbox Series X's? Forty three percent of people said I'm ready, and fifty percent. 57% of people said no thanks, which, uh, you guys are fucking idiots. Next one. Um, Ooh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but really, that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one looks Sick amazing. Burn. I don't know how you don't want that. Because I hate have to, to pay to get them to paint the bandana to fix it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. But do you guys want, like, do the, I don't really want an xbox series x but i do oh yeah want... no the, no it's it's cool it's really cool yeah yeah like honestly i think the spongebob one just works better because the whole thing's a yes. gigantic 
cube. So like, you, yes, you hear Michelangelo got banned for the first uh, All Star official tournament. Mm. Did he really? Yeah, you can't Is main that Nike. Powerful? Apparently, he's broken. You can't main him. Sorry, everybody. Mm. Well, uh, there are reasons for that, which we will get into after the show as to why I personally think he's banned. But um, that makes sense. That tracks because of the war crimes. The war crimes, the pizza. This is where my parents died, Raphael. Yes. Cow um, <laughs> Cow numbers as I eat pizza. My the favorite GTA version Trilo- of that Batman Turtles meme is the one where <laughs> Raphael just goes, this is the same place I murdered some loser's parents. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite one. The GTA trilogy is rumored to be $70. Raphael was Joe Chill tri- this whole time. Do you think having the trilogy remastered is worth that much? 33% of people said it's an easy buy, and 67% of people said, eh, I'll pass. And um, I would be hard-pressed to spend any more than $40 on that game if it's just yeah. a simple remaster. Depends on if how much work's done quality, to it. If they put a little bit of work, change some of uh, the mechanics to be more modern and have a more modern feel... I could see them charging a little bit more, but still, I don't know. Seventy dollars is a steep price for nostalgia. I can tell you games. right now. I think I think an, uh, there's a number of factors to consider about why it would be that, and one of them might have to do with licensed music. Oh, that's a good point. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm willing to pay that for that collection. No. no. Even if they fix everything, seventy dollars. It's not worth that price tag for me. So there are rumors. Like I've had they my did... fun with those games. I'm not gonna go b- back into them and be like, I'm gonna get my money's worth. I'm they... gonna have like a few hours of fun and be like, okay. They're, they're, yeah. I- I'm curious to see what happens when those launch and what people find because Rockstar did allude to some new content being in some of them. And one of the things they mm. very strong-handedly alluded to was that they might have added Sasquatch to San Andreas. <laughs> I mean, that alone is worth a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. As long as I can only take a blurry picture of him and not a clear one. Oh, exactly. Well, that's, the, yeah, by default, it's designed that way. Exactly. Do you think that games not being cross-play is one of the biggest travesties of gaming in 2021? 70% of people said, now that you mention it. And 30% of people said, eh, nah. I think it's the lack of Ape Escape 4, but that's a close second. Yeah, I don't think, eh, I don't know. I guess it depends on the game it's really frustrating for like co-op games and stuff where there's no meaningful reason why you couldn't do that yes capitalism is the reason John. like for 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 competitive games like who cares like the only makes reason you, the that only reason sense. you put cross play in co-op game or in in competitive games is because your community's dying and, and you need to make sure queue times don't get too long um yeah like That's not fair, to but... say like not to not say to you dis- can't put di- them together, to but like it. that's kind of yeah. like there's not there's only so much good that you're gonna get out of playing against someone else from a different platform. Like there's what's what's the upside to that? Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, but at the same time, when we were all kind of in the Apex Legends craze, we couldn't play it together. And granted, yes, you guys playing on PC, me playing on console, I'm gonna get my ass whooped nine times out of ten. But still. I mean, I would have I would have had more fun in that craze had we all would have 
been able to play yeah. together. No, and I so. think exactly. Like I, one thing that I think I do like that Overwatch has done is they have cross play, but with different pools. So the competitive modes stay fair, but you're still able to queue cross platform with mm. friends for any of the casual modes, which um, it's not right. It's not permanently on, yeah. um, which I think is a good way to do it. I agree. I agree. I but like you're right. Like the co-op games, there's no reasonable reason well, why. It, money would be the reason because none of the none of the main you know, Sony's not going to let you use their servers for any sort of online stuff and then have cross play. It's it's kind of going to be on you to run a server at that point. To well, like to, I said, there's no but, reasonable reason. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I, you're right. Yeah, so like it's, right. it's out of it's out of some people's scope, depending on the game. But yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I but for anything AAA I, or whatever, like it should it <laughs> should happen at this point, for sure. I think so. I I absolutely think so. So I think it's it, it's something that not necessarily is like the biggest problem of 2021 in gaming, but I definitely think it's a, something that kind of goes overlooked more often than not. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why I put the poll there. Yeah. The devs in Metroid Dread have put some fun Easter eggs if you sequence break. So I was curious, have you ever sequence broken? Question mark. I don't know if that's the way you word that. Before break breaking. Broken? Broken. Uh, 26% of people said I'm a god. And the Germans call it breaking Valken. I have not. Um mm. I hadn't when I had posted that, and then like the next day, I ended up sequence breaking, and it was, I was like, oh, okay, there we go. Yeah. Never mind. There are a lot in this game, but there are generally a lot in, in Metroid. Metroidvania games. Like, it's yes. just, that's, that's a very common thing for that genre. Like, yeah. yeah. I, <sighs> I just like games I, that I made Hollow Knight that. way, way, way harder for myself. By managing to accidentally sequence break past the double jump. Mm, um, and right. I played almost all of that game without a double jump, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, but it's, it's also fun to kind of like challenge yourself to like, yeah, I know I'm probably going to get an ability later in the game to this, but like, yeah, can I, can I there actually achieve this? Is, and I don't want to spoil it, but I will say Metro Dread, one of the best Easter eggs, there's, a sequence break you can do before a boss fight that if you do a certain thing with an ability you shouldn't have at that point, you can completely change the second phase of the boss fight. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. Real cool. Yeah, we were briefly talking about that, but yeah, I, I think it's always fun to try and like see what you can get away with in a game to a certain to a certain point, but um <laughs> Josh, That's so cool. Josh is showing us on. His I'm holding Switch. up that exact sequence break. Yeah, that's yes. that's another thing that I did by just screwing around and finding where I could go. I I hope that more games kind of do that, like they put in Easter eggs like that for people who manage to sequence break. Yeah, those kind of things are always cool. So it yeah it is it is fun, and I I like games where like again the Hollow Knight one. It, that was my first playthrough. Like, I was not meaning to. It was just, like, um, I'm, we, we were talking earlier about how flexible the the movement is in that game. 
Yeah. You can bounce off of spikes by down slashing at them, which opens mm. up some insane movement abilities by bouncing off of stuff yeah. that should kill you otherwise. Right. Um, and I just, I figured, oh, it's just a mechanic. Like, and it is, it is a mechanic you can just do whatever with. But like, I, I, I assumed it was just some sort of core mechanic that everyone was supposed to figure out and ended up making the game so much harder on myself than I meant to. Um, I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, just by accident, but, you know. Well, I do hate myself. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah. Sequence breaking. Interesting Fun stuff. stuff. Fun stuff. The last poll was something that um, I've been watching a lot of Trevor Noah recently. He does a really good job of summarizing up a lot of current issues, and I've been kind of partaking in his videos more recently. And one of his videos that he was talking about was something I was kind of unaware of because I don't really shop a lot for the particular products that he was listing when talking about this issue. But he did an incredible news piece on companies like Apple and Microsoft making it incredibly difficult for third parties to repair their products. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, if third parties do this, uh, some of these companies have threatened to sue these third-party repair companies or repair people um so it it's an issue that i wasn't aware of but since then actually hold on really let me jump back really quick um john deere is another one that is guilty of this and actually their employee a lot of their employees are on strike right now which is kind of interesting um i don't know if they're related or something else but actually it's gotten so bad and this is the thing that's really puzzling, especially during these current times, is that there are some hospital products that are like this, that you can't hire mm-hmm. a repairman to do it. You have to Jeez. go through the company. Seems like it should be illegal. Yeah, it does. But this is, and it's, it's not even, even a repair thing. I don't, I'm sure you've noticed this, but for about the last 15 years, car companies have attempted to make every car you buy come with a key that somehow magically costs $300. Yes. That oh, only the they can sell you. Yeah. Fuck fobs. Like I ended up having to buy one with a fob this last time, just cost wise, trying to get a used vehicle to replace one that got totaled. Fuck that noise. Well, like, I will, I will jo- never Josh, pay for one of those $300 fobs. Well, Josh, like, I'm, you, I'm going to a, a locksmith who, you know, who knows how to, Hack those, Josh. If you if you'd allow uh, me to just interject for a moment here, dealerships really want you to believe those keys are three hundred dollars. Here's the fun: they're not. They're well, they're they're, they're about six, they're about sixty dollars if you want to buy just the key, mm-hmm. um, and cut it, and then you can look up how to program it yourself on the internet. It's not difficult. Not all of them. Not all of them. A lot of the fourteen and later, which is the issue, mm-hmm. they have essentially license keys that you have to buy from them and those keys cost money even if you get it from a locksmith gotcha um and that's which, yeah and that kind of, that's and it's like the for, for nothing yeah. like there's no security layer there yeah no it's, no it's like you can still hotwire the goddamn thing just as easy as before this is only a problem for you know, like the buyer of the car like it's yeah no, it's it's something that this movement has been going on for a little while now, and it's just now getting national media attention. There's apparent there's apparent I can't remember the name of the gentleman. I apologize if any of you out there know this, then 
um, you can mention it in the comments when we post about the show. But there's a gentleman who's been kind of pushing this and talking about how this is an issue and nobody's actually looking at it. But since then, actually, since uh, some outlets have taken more notice of it and since Trevor Noah did his little um, piece on it, Microsoft has released a statement saying that they're going to make repairing their products easier for the consumer, citing that, quote unquote, it's better for the environment. Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, it's I mean, a whole that, lot. Yeah. That is it, but I don't believe that's the reason why they're doing this. I think but no, that, that is the reason you use to save face. Like, that doesn't yeah. surprise me. And that, I, that was... I kind of don't care at this point because at least they're doing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I said, I honestly didn't know that was an issue until Trevor Noah's bit on it. Does mm-hmm. this concern you? And 62% of people said, they aren't taking my money. And 38% of people said, not really. Um, yeah, but, no, yeah, like it's, it's, it's a major if, fucking issue, I think, if because of the Microsoft, precedent. sorry, sorry, if Microsoft means this, they could instantly release the software they use to calibrate the joysticks for their controller. They've got that internally. They just don't allow you to have that software. You can calibrate joysticks on all the other consoles. Can't calibrate a Microsoft controller the like yep. the, the internal sticks like it's it's you could instantly do that right now microsoft to make your old controllers that much easier for someone to fix we're waiting yeah like it's this is this is not a thing anyway anyway yeah. there like there are a bunch no. of other issues and like anyway there, i mean the, there's a lack of convenience that is an issue here obviously and it's it's a secondary issue i think that i look at this in three different directions. Number one, in terms of like the hospital stuff, that's fucking gross. Basically making it hard, a job, the hospital's job harder to treat patients is fucking disgusting first and foremost. And it's, I view it as very unethical. But what what if I Um, told you that it made money? That that one is the only one that actually makes any sense to me. Um, because in terms of making sure it, something's not repaired incorrectly, yes, yeah, making sure something's repaired correctly is very important in that situation. I would and agree I could, if they're not trying to jack the price, and that's what they're trying to do here. They're trying yes. to no, like th- this is it's they need if they're going to sell something like that, they need to have licensed repair be a, a readily available thing. Yes, to, it should to, be a, like when that. you buy something that expensive and you are the original owner of that, which presumably you would be until it runs dead. But um, you sh- it should be a feature where like maybe the first five years free repair or maybe like lifetime repair or it should be cheap and accessible because yeah. you are saving people's lives with that. And that's fine if you want to limit it to the people who create it to repair it, but you should not be jacking up the repair price if, on something that is a life saving or um, life improving machine that mm-hmm. belongs in a hospital. If you that's unethical and fucking gross, if you guys are interested in how insanely when it comes to medical equipment, even like your own insurance companies will arbitrarily like, designate how things can be paid for um as an insulin dependent diabetic on an insulin pump a six thousand dollar piece of equipment that is in my pocket at all times i've had multiple doctors i've seen over the years recommend to me hey if something happens and you break this tell the insurance company it was stolen 
because that's the only way they'll pay for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I don't even want to go down the road of medical in the U.S. Yeah. because, yeah. Um, actually, that is, that is something I wanted to mention in Squid Game when we were doing that. And yeah. I totally forgot about, I just remembered it. I was watching. Uh, that's a different uh, podcast. <laughs> I was watching um, about the, uh, the great resignation. I was watching a, uh, some stuff on that on YouTube. And there was, was a joke. The third Fievel movie? Like, <laughs> Fievel Goes West. No, um, there was, there's some companies that are reacting to that to try and make it better environments and stuff like that. Um, some companies are closing their major branch offices in, in, um, and replacing them with smaller offices around the U S and primarily moving to more online like Bumble and LinkedIn. Those are some companies that are doing that. And, uh, there was the joke made that basically, hopefully, uh, GoFundMe figures their shit out and doesn't have any workers go on strike because then the um the medical <laughs> the medical industry in the US would fucking plummet and medical health mm-hmm. insurance would cease to exist if GoFundMe Yeah, no that's a, um, that's the muti- that's the United States medical safety net is GoFundMe. Exactly. Um Exactly. Um, yeah. Fucking gross. But um Wait, have we tried totally, starting a totally cure for cancer? Totally unrelated, I'm sure. Um, I, I've, I've told you the ongoing saga of me having the weirdest ads, right? Just because yeah. Google has no beat on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been getting a suspicious number of ads for robotic workers lately. Well, they are putting like, robot, like robots robot to completely run a, um, like a restaurant, like fry cooks, essentially. Huh. They're they're really pushing those right now because they don't strike. Interesting. Not yet they don't. Yeah, we can work I'm, on that. I'm, I'm working. That'll on be it. added. That's going to be a is, firmware update in a couple of years. We have to that, roll that back this, can strike. We have to roll back if the sous I've, chefs because they're striking. Mm-hmm. If I've learned anything from Terminator, they strike when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, but your, the, your sous chef is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Where is your sushi chef? He's been replaced uh, with the robot. The the second big issue here obviously is capitalism and the fact that basically it's being left unchecked in the US at this level is pretty fucking gross mm-hmm. as well. Um I yeah. mean we've known about it, it's not a, a brand new topic that capitalism is starting to really get out of hand and no, I don't no. want I don't want us to go off on it too much cuz obviously it's... we are not what we are assembling here to do, but yeah, it's that's actually cool. something I wanted to mention on our gambling squid game shopping after dark. No, no, our gambling game gambling oh, mechanics yeah, yeah, yeah. thing because we were all very gaming. You need to get your shit together so it doesn't get regulated. I'm not anti regulation. I I think we're gonna end up needing it. I'm just anti all the ignorant regulations we have because there are a lot of regulations that get written by someone who has no fucking idea what they're writing into law because the bills were actually written by lobbyists. Josh, ignorant regulation is the only way we know how to regulate. This is America. Yeah, exactly. And so like, yeah, like the shit needs to be done to solve this. We just, you know, 
We need to make sure it's not the lobbyists who write this. Regulators going to regulate, right you know what I'm saying? To, yeah. to do this regulating, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, somehow that is even influenced by capitalism. So mm-hmm. confusing. But the, the, the third thing, um, and to me, this is on par with the hospital thing. Um, I mean, they're all on par with each other. Not one is more <laughs> equal than the other. Is the, the effects the on the are more equal than the others. <laughs> four Bleak legs for good, me, two piggy. legs bad. Or two legs good, four legs bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the implication on the environment and climate change that this has, because basically uh, it's another reason for me to dislike Apple as if I didn't need more reasons, but by making basically what's happening with these Apple phones, new Apple phones is they're putting glue in all these specific areas. So if you try and get a third party repairman to repair your phone, you basically void your warranty at that point. I mean, and you, you have a phone issue and for some reason somebody can't repair it or it's too expensive to repair and they've mm-hmm. already opened your phone, you're fucked. So basically it's like, okay, repair this expense in an expensive way or just buy a brand new phone. And that's a ton of waste. That is a ton of waste. And um, right now, obviously, I don't want to get too into it because um, I know people are going to be like, oh, fucking shut up already. But um, I'm so in tune with a lot of this in- environmental awareness and these issues right yeah. now. That um, we just came recently came off of environmental awareness and climate change week a few weeks ago that this is on I'm thankful this is on the um, on the subsequent discussion of these things is we really need to be aware of this stuff and how we can lessen our impact. And unfortunately, um, what we are learning is that it's the big corporations that are causing these issues. Yeah. And lo and behold, this exact issue of right to repair is a reflection of that because of these yeah. large corporations. Yeah, no, no. Th- like, it's funny. Like, we talked about regulate your own shit so no one has to do it. That That's every major corporation in the United States. Like, I'm sure you've seen every time you've checked out anywhere in the last several decades. Like, it's like healthy lifestyle, this, that, or the other, and whatever council, and it's it's paid by PepsiCo and, and sugar manufacturers because they yep. really, really don't want anyone to stop them from selling their drugs to children because that would hurt their bottom line. So let's put out an ad campaign about how it's on you to be responsible with our highly yep. addictive chemicals. Um, right. Like it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's like we mentioned a few weeks ago about all of the, you know, (laughs) turn the water off while you're brushing your teeth. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, that'll fix everything. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's such a big issue and it's obviously, it's hard to talk about because it, it, it impacts us all, whether we we realize it or not. And it's going to, it's going to continue to affect us, um, in the years to come it's already affecting us now but the thing is these these corporations that are causing this colossal waste these colossal climate issues need yeah. to start being checked and they need to start being checked now and i'm glad that this is being brought to the forefront because i hope some change does come from this and it yeah. sounds like the pressure is being put on some of these companies microsoft has made a statement it'll remain to be seen whether they follow through with it 
um yes that they're at least acknowledging that there's an issue here and there's a big issue with the tech waste is that it's so environmentally horrible just from a pollution standpoint with tech waste but this is a problem with everything i mean I'm sure I mentioned my ongoing saga, or it's not ongoing at this point. I finally managed to get a hold of some stuff that's way more utilitarian, but trying to track down a fucking bookshelf that's not complete flak pack trash. Yeah. Like, why? why? Why are we making this? It's literally trash that you're selling to people that will never survive a move. Like, if, the, if anyone buys any of this stuff, and then has to go to a new apartment or anything, it will be thrown out and new stuff will be bought. Right. Because That's exactly they're making... why they're doing it. And it is exactly why. It's fucking evil. Yes. That, that, that's bottom line. That is fucking evil. Make a good product that people don't have to instantly throw away. No. Like, and the, the thing I don't get either is like the thought pro. Mm. I'm trying to decide if I want to go down this road really quickly. Sorry. <laughs> um, you got my dander up. These fucking bookshelves are personal to me now because I've been trying to track down a real fucking bookshelf for months. Let, let me say this. I guess I don't understand enough about the economical side of it to really have to 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 sound eloquent enough. I'm going to sound like, yeah. again, uninformed person or old person yelling at cloud. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just want to say this. The, 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 the right to repair is... It shouldn't just be a movement. It should be something that um, people are looking at. And yeah, I it's funny is um, this was kind of sprouted off of the investigation that the um, the FBI is looking into why the fucking ice cream machines in McDonald's are always down. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I love that it took. Uh, um, yeah, oh, that's going to be a really interesting season of Twin Peaks. Well, what's God damn it. Um, Mayor McCheese? No, it, it took John Oliver bringing up that there's been a conspiracy that people have known about for years to make sure that the repairs on those are always profitable. Can't anyone's finally looking at it? It took a it took a comedian bringing everyone's attention to it again yeah. Yeah, for anyone so. to care about finally fixing the McDonald's ice cream machines. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of crazy to me that that that's where the u.s is that but mm-hmm. um i'm hoping that here in the few years we're gonna see some level of regulation on that because i think leaving the current system that unchecked is only going to continue to cause all of these problems or exacerbate yeah. these problems and cause new ones as well so yeah um, it needs to be that's it needs the plan yeah because at this rate there's not even going to be a planet left to be on fire for my children we'll find a new one mm-hmm. There will not even be a planet left for making games for you and me and all of our fans to bitch about. So, mm-hmm. God, I can't wait to be dead. <laughs> Coincidentally, that's what my girlfriend says when I lay on top of her. Makes but no, sense um, to me. <laughs> just waiting for that little death that'll never come. That's right. Um, coincidentally, that's what I call my penis. But no, uh, this show went on a little bit longer than we anticipated as well, so we're going to get the fuck <laughs> out of here. We are apparently not doing a third podcast tonight. I think I'm I've officially that. been awake for 24 hours. Well, yeah. that's on you, dumb dumb. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's on corporate America. 
corporate greed making me stay up all night no um but yeah i, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode it was a really fun episode to record um we're kind of all over the place here and there but yeah I, I i really enjoyed getting to talk about metroid dread a lot and co-op and i wish i had more positive things to say about back for blood fortunately i didn't and whatnot but uh just some quick back end uh, uh, stuff that I want to mention is if you enjoyed this, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want more content from us, head over to swordchomp.com where we have a whole host of podcasts. We have Chomping After Dark, something we referenced on the show, where we uh, spoil and deep dive into some video games and stories and the occasional movie and TV series. We have Evoking the Sublime, which is uh, kind of a, an archived podcast temporarily. Um, I haven't gotten any new episodes where I interview game devs and talk about the history and creation of video games. Rich just launched his new podcast, which he was talking about earlier, called Chomping at the Bits, where he looks at the importance of a game in its history and why that's meaningful to him and his friends who have been doing the podcast with him so far. So brand new podcast. Check it out. Like he said, the first episode is up on the feed. Uh, let him know what you think. Give him some feed f- feedback. It'll help him a ton as he's continuing to create and curate some more content for that channel. Um, also, at the site, you can check out our merch. We have a lot of lovely merch. We just got up um, some new stuff. Like the hats are now available. So um, head over to um, our store to check some of that stuff out if you're interested in wearing some of our merch. We have an article section where Rich can, and Ray continue to get up new content every week. And uh, that area is flourishing right now. Check that out. Also, if you want to support us monetarily, help us keep making amazing content and also be rewarded for it, check out patreon.com slash swordchomp where you get access to things like private Discord, private Instagram, um skype calls with us things of that nature head over there check it out if you're interested it helps keep the lights on here and yeah if if anything the best thing you can do for us is just share with a friend let them know if you think they would be interested in the show it would help us a ton um as we continue to put out awesome content for you and for me but anyways i want to thank rich for being here from New York, Josh, for being here from North Carolina, it's... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing a Michael Jordan bit at the end of the show. Um, I was Shay, your host here from Japan. Thank you so much for checking out the show. The golfer? We, we love you very much. Be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Have some fun gaming this week. Enjoy finishing Metroid Dread if you haven't, and take care.